The world is a beautiful but challenging place to live. And let's face it, life hits hard sometimes. So if you find your hopes and dreams and mental well-being needs a boost, you're tuned in to the right podcast. Welcome to Inspire Us with your host, Jay Paul Nadeau, a former hostage negotiator turned motivational speaker and acclaimed author of Take Control of Your Life. And now, here's your host, Jay Paul Nadeau. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Inspire Us. Today's episode marks the 99th episode of Inspire Us. Yep, 99. I started this podcast about two years ago, around the onset of COVID-19, and I did it to help inspire each and every one of us, including myself. I needed some positive reinforcement that things were going to work out all right, and I know that everyone else needed the same. We are all struggling through something very difficult, and some of us are still struggling. This is why we need daily doses of inspiration. This is one place where you can come and listen to some inspiring messages from inspiring speakers and also the Clubhouse episodes that I've been throwing on. Now, the Clubhouse episodes are a show that we have going on, and when I say a show, it's a Clubhouse room called Negotiate Your Way Out of Self-Sabotage, and I have some amazing moderators and some interesting topics that come up from the speakers who join us on stage. Today is no different. Actually, today was pretty interesting, and I'm certain that you are going to find it just as interesting. There's a couple of twists in this episode but hang in there. There is a wealth of knowledge to be appreciated from this. So without any further delay, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I do want to say something. Happy New Year. This is the episode that was broadcasted on the 14th of January, 2023. And I want to wish each and every one of you out there a very happy New Year. I know that some people wait for New Year's to make resolutions. Uh, They make these resolutions that they're going to change something or they're going to do something that uh, they really don't want to do, but it's New Year's, so let's put our heart and soul into it. And Sometimes that doesn't always work out, right? you got to want it bad enough. Whatever it is that you want, you've got to want it bad enough. Why wait for New Year's to make these choices in your life? Decide how much you want it, and if you want it very badly, then do what is necessary to get it done. It isn't easy, but it is that easy, if you know what I mean. And if you don't, just imagine this. I'm going to give you a story. I have this guitar in my home. I've had this guitar, actually, a Facebook memory popped up today, today, the 14th of January, 2023, 10 years ago. On the 14th of January, 2013, I posted something on Facebook, a photograph of this guitar of mine saying that I was looking forward to the many years of enjoyment I would get from this guitar. Guess what? It's still sitting in my living room collecting dust. I have not learned how to use it. Ten years, folks, it's been sitting there. I wanted to. I would love to learn how to play the guitar because I can sing pretty good. But I didn't put the time or the effort into 
learning the skill. Why? I guess I didn't want it that bad. At the time, I didn't want it that bad. I'm still thinking to myself, I got to do this. But once I make that true decision to go through with it, I've got to put the time and the effort that it takes in order to get it done. I have to want it bad enough. If you want to lose weight, if you want to improve relationships, you got to want it bad enough to do the work and to stick in there and just see it through. It's not going to be easy. The journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. The idea is that we keep on moving forward, right? You've got to want it bad enough. So how bad do you want it? How bad do you want this year to be successful? How bad do you want this year to be prosperous? How bad do you want your health to be amazing this year? If you want it bad enough, then do what it takes to get it done. Now, I've said enough, and I'm going to just launch the program now. And once again, have a blessed, wonderful new year. And I hope that you join us time and time again. Keep listening to these episodes and keep living your life on purpose. Hello and uh, welcome. Started with the room. Hey, look at that. Okay. Hey, Paul. Oh, hey, I noticed. I guess we joined two years ago today. We did. <laughs> I got a little notification from Clubhouse saying, congratulations, it's your second year. And uh, what I'd like to do here in this room is pass the microphone over to my moderators so that they can introduce themselves to you, not only as moderators, but as the people they are and the professions that they do and what they offer off the application as well. They donate their time, they donate their, their energy, and they really pour into people. Now, we're not here to dispense any kind of therapy, folks. It's, that's not what this room is about. And we don't want things to be taken as therapy. We want things to be taken as experience, guidance, suggestions, so that you can leave and, and apply some of the things that you've learned in this room, hopefully to your life, to enhance the quality of it. And that's what we're here for, to help one another uh, enhance the quality of our lives and to understand each other that much better. And this room does it. This room really does it. I love this room. Every time I leave this room, I leave more educated, more enlightened, and it just, it's amazing some of the stories that come out, some of the advice and guidance that comes out. So that's what we're going to do. On that note, going to turn it over to King. King will turn it over to Robert, and Robert will turn it over to Michelle. And hopefully somebody else will drop in and we'll do it there. We invite you to come up and to speak, to ask a question or just share something. We'll ask that you keep it to about two minutes or so. And as far as the moderators, it's popcorn style. They'll jump in anytime and chat with you and help to support you. We also have a back channel. I see that it's being used right now. King and Amanda have both used it. Thank you so much. I don't check that too often, but uh, we do also have a little button in which you can share this room. And if you do like the content of this room and what's being said, and you can see value for someone else that you know, invite them into the room or just in, invite uh, the whole crowd by sharing the room either on Clubhouse or on Clubhouse and. And you can do that on Twitter and, and different ways. So on that note, gonna turn it over to King. Over to you, King. 
Thanks so much, Paul. And thank you everyone for joining us. And as uh, you notice, it is our anniversary and it's actually next weekend, which will be the two years uh, since we first started this room. So it's kind of crazy also to think that we've been doing this for two years as well. And thank you to everyone who's joined us in this uh, journey and adventure. And, you know, we've really enjoyed it. And as Paul said, I, I you know, We've really enjoyed it and we've met a lot of great people along the way. So thank you very much. And so my name's King and I'm a social media and digital marketing strategist. And uh, in that capacity, I help uh, small businesses and individuals with anything they need in terms of enhancing their brands online or any, um, you know, uh, pushing, I mean, sorry, <laughs> publicizing any uh, products or services they might have and that kind of thing. And also just making sure that all their digital properties are optimized in such a way that it enhances everything that they want to do and all the messages they want to get out. And also I work as a travel influencer as well. And so in that capacity, I work with uh, travel uh, agents, travel agencies, uh, tour companies, uh, other travel influencers, uh, tourism boards and whatnot to promote destinations um, all around the world. And that's definitely been an incredible adventure for me because I do love to travel. And so if anyone does want to chat about anything social media related or travel related, I am your guy. And uh, yeah, no, and um, once again, I'm just very happy to be able to contribute to this room where I can from my own life experiences, but I've just mostly been learning from all the incredible insights that everyone else has been sharing. And so thank you so much for joining us every Saturday for two years. You guys are, are all awesome. And Robert, if you are ready, I'm gonna pass the microphone over to you now so you can tell everyone about all the great things that you do. So Robert, the stage is yours. Thank you, King. Um, I'm going to ask, uh, can you hear me now? Is it better? Yep. Yep. Well, loud and clear, bro. Yes, loud and clear. Perfection, perfection. You just have to unmute and then we can hear you. Very yeah. good. Okay, thank you. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone. My name is Robert. I am Paul's older brother, apparently having a little bit of connectivity issues, but uh, I'll do my best to motor through it. Uh, I am a lawyer by day um, and I am an entertainer by night. Um, uh, my entertainment um, uh, stick is a bit different. I am a mentalist. Uh, mentalism is a kind of magic, but I like to think of the magic I do as magic for the intelligent mind. Um, uh, but what I bring to this room, I believe, is I've been a lifelong student of critical thinking, particularly when I was in law school. Uh, I learned the value of critical thinking and decided after, uh, well, my undergrad was in philosophy, first of all. I did my undergraduate degree in philosophy and the history of philosophy and science. I went into law. And when I went into law and I discovered the importance of critical thinking, the importance of questioning our own assumptions, questioning the assumptions and the narratives that are presented to us. And I discovered that really the art and the science that I was learning without it being identified was critical thinking. So that's, I think, what I try to bring into this room. Uh, but that's said, uh, I know that almost invariably, uh, by the end session that we have, I always walk away um, more informed, uh, better, um, uh, more enlightened, uplifted, um, and I have learned a whole lot more than I've contributed. And so with that, I am going to turn the microphone over to our lovely co-moderator, Michelle. Michelle, the floor is yours. Thanks, Robert. Um, gosh, I am someone who's been a management consultant for a bazillion years. Um, 
I started becoming a professional coach and trainer in 1995. I brought those skills into a lot of my management consulting gigs. Uh, and that type of coaching and training is actually a really specific kind. It's called transformational coaching uh, and training. And so it really is about helping people get from where they are now to where they want to be. We don't spend a ton of time looking in the past, um, doing a lot of psychological assessment, and that is why I definitely am not a therapist or a psychologist. I read all of that stuff, but I am definitely not a professional in those areas. But where I am a pro is really at helping people uncover the paradigms and beliefs contexts, the concepts that are ruling their lives, some of which are unconscious, some of which are conscious, but which they don't know what they don't know. So basically, if they knew how to change it, they would, but they need outside help and support and able to do that. And so uh, I do that in organizations, and I'm actually the head of HR for an organization right now that I started out uh, about four years ago going in as a consultant, management consultant. And I had this really cool job, so I'll just share it with you guys briefly because it's just a really cool story. I was hired in by the CEO because uh, that company had hired in a lot of special forces um, employees, so people who would come out of service for the United States of America uh, in the special forces, the Green Beret, MARCOM, uh, all that kind of stuff. And what was missing from their fantastic abilities uh, in the workspace was vulnerability. And the CEO was worried because he could tell these guys were going to shine. And, per, you know, really with the consulting that I was doing, transform his organization in the organization he wanted it to be, which is an organization that's sellable, uh, scalable and sellable. So he hired me in to help with that. And that's a pretty scary thing for people who basically have been trained out of that. And so working with them, it's just been an incredible delight. And they ended up hiring me in um, to stand up an HR department. So that's what I'm doing right now. And I, I'm just really loving it. And I'm here just to learn more about humanity, share what I can, and be a part of this community. Because really, I love being here on Saturdays. I love being in the room. I feel it's like when I was in nursery school and I used to just get so excited to get into nursery school, my mom would drop me off and those were the best hours. And I feel that way about being here. So with that, I'm going to pass the mic on to Candace and say, hey, Candace, happy new year. I didn't get to give you my virtual new year's hug. Mike to you. Uh, thanks, Michelle. And, and good morning, good afternoon, everybody. It's absolutely my pleasure to be here and spending the next couple of hours with you all. It's definitely one of my highlights every Saturday. And I'll, I'll definitely echo what my good friend Robert said. I always leave this room, you know, feeling that I've, I've been fueled and I've grown and I've learned. So I thank all of you for contributing to that. So my name is Candy Zeckstein and I'm a certified uh, business leadership coach and personal executive coach. Most of my career was spent working corporately for about 21 and a half years 
and then migrated to um, doing it uh, for myself with my own business almost five years ago. I have a focus of emotional intelligence within my practice and really believe wholeheartedly that that is the differentiator for all of us, having that level of self-awareness and, and understanding as humans how our emotions you know, impact everything we do, including those self-sabotaging thoughts. So, you know, just virtual hugs to everyone. Thank you to my fellow moderators for everything I get from you each Saturday. And thank you to King and uh, Paul for creating such a safe and wonderful space for all of us to come to. And with that, I'll pass the mic back to Paul. Well, thank you so much to each and every one of my moderators. As you can tell, everyone who has listened in, they're amazing people and they offer so much more than just their great guidance on this app. They also offer something off this app. So in order to make connections, a lot of people have to make an effort. Well, it's, it's an effort. When we want to connect with somebody, we, we connect with them. We either introduce ourselves here on the application and then we follow up off the application to get to know the person that much more. Or we follow some of their social media. And I would recommend that you do that. If there's someone on this panel that you resonate with, check them out off the application. When this room first started today, I talked about how in the two years that I've been here, this being my, my second year anniversary, how much this has changed my life in that I have met some incredible people, uh, both on this application, and then I went, I met them off this application. It was life changing. Some of the people are still very, very close to me, and I've gotten to know the human being behind just this profile picture here on Clubhouse. Uh, so having said that, if there's someone that you resonate with, somebody that you're interested in knowing more about, or if what one of the moderators has said can apply to your life or they can help you in some way off this application in business, reach out to them. They're amazing people. A little bit about myself. I am a former hostage negotiator. I was a police officer for 32 years and I was really blessed to have worked in many specialized areas, including hostage negotiations. I also worked on the Special Victims Unit. I dealt with victims of uh, terrible assaults and uh, both uh, sexual and child abuse. I also worked in, in many different areas, including uh, lie detection and uh, international peacekeeping. I just went out and I did as much of that work, that service that I possibly could. In doing that, I was introduced to many amazing people uh, who taught me how to speak with people, how to deal with people, how to approach people when they felt broken. Uh, as far as myself, I for many years felt broken as a child. And I won't go into the story, but I was dealing with self-sabotage and a number of other issues at a very young age. But something happened in my life that turned things around. And that pivotal moment in my life, it really launched me into believing in myself. And in doing so, I became very passionate in helping others. And this may explain why I got into these specialized units. Uh, working with victims of crime, working with uh, victims who had been molested, uh, and, and I won't go into detail, but working with them and helping them to see 
that what happened to them was not their fault and that they could overcome whatever it was that they had gone through. And not only those victims, but everyone. Because in my capacity as a detective or even as a uniform officer in the very early years, I got to see people at their very best and see people at their very worst. I got to really help and and stand in their shoes. Two of the greatest lessons that I ever learned um, in my profession were these. Number one, you are more similar than you are different. And when I really, I'd heard this before, hey, we're all alike. We're all from the same uh, place. We were all born out of Africa. We're all brothers and sisters. But when you start to actually understand that we are more similar than we are different, it transcends color, it transcends religion, it transcends uh, sexual preferences. We all realize that we're living these lives and that we all laugh, love and bleed in the same way. And if we could put ourselves in the shoes of our brother and sister who are going through something difficult, it makes us more compassionate more open to understanding, imagining what it would be like if I were in their shoes. For example, we all know the the difficulties uh, that so many police officers are experiencing out there uh, because of the bad uh, attitudes and the bad things that some of the cops have done. It seems to have put every one of those cops in the same category. They must all be bad. And if you're watching any of these uh, social media, such as TikTok, you're seeing a lot of angry people who are challenging police officers, who are putting them down. Well, I got to tell you, 96, 97, 98% of the cops out there are good people. Why am I telling you this? I'm telling you this because when I was a cop and I made that revelation that we're more similar than we are different, I put their shoes on when I first approached them. What would it be like if I were to approach a car that I had just pulled over and a person inside the car not realizing why they were being pulled over and who this cop was and whether or not they could be trusted, whatever. So my approach and the tone of my voice and the way in which I would speak and all that had to change. It had to become something that was welcomed by the person. And we can do this no matter where we are and under what circumstances we are. That was the first great lesson. We're more similar than we are different. The second biggest lesson that I learned was that we get what we give. And so if I give you anger, if I give you words that hurt, if I give you something that's mean, I'm likely to get that right in return because we react to what we we get. We are reactive more than responding. And this is something that we need to change, folks. We need to change the way in which we we receive information and that we we interpret information and how we respond to information. This is so important. So you get what you give, but you have to be willing to take a moment when something harmful is said to you or you've interpreted something as harmful or something that is combative, you have to take a moment and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, deep breath. What did I just get here? All right, how do I respond? Our good friend, Glenn Morshower, who joins us on many Saturdays, has a wonderful way of putting it all into a, a way in which we can understand that we are not 
meant to be first reactors to life. Can you imagine a an ambulance attending an accident scene in which there are hurt bodies and blood and the ambulance attendants jump out and they go, oh my goodness, look at this, there's so much blood. What do I do? Oh no, I just don't know what to do. I'm getting back in the ambulance, we're leaving. We don't want that, right? That's our first reactor. We want first responders. They get to the accident scene, they stop, they jump out and they go, all right, we got this. Okay, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. I know exactly how to handle this. They don't react, they respond. And that's one of the things that I've learned is we get what we give. If I give you dignity and respect, I'm likely to get it in return. Uh, I would like to say at this moment, I have learned so much from my careers and from life and from this application. I keep applying it to, to my existence because I'm not the person I was six months ago. I'm still on this on this journey of growth and of development, of understanding, and of being a better person than I was just yesterday. If I'm competing with anyone, I'm competing with myself. If I'm comparing myself to anyone, I'm comparing myself to myself, who I was. I'm not that person anymore. And I have done things to people and said things to people that I'm ashamed of, that uh, that. I look back and I say, you stupid idiot. And here's that self-sabotage voice that comes in and says, you stupid idiot. How could you possibly say that to that person? Why did you do that? And then we get into this self-sabotage ring. It becomes a loop in which we start to beat ourselves down. I've had to challenge myself when I've done that and say, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. And I give my voice, this voice of self-sabotage that jumps into my head, I give it a name. I call it Bob. I met this guy, Bob, uh, in, in my journey. And Bob used to let me down. He was a very intelligent guy and he was the head of this, this organization and he used to promise these big things and he would always let it down. Hey, gonna get you to speak here, gonna get you to do this, gonna get you to do that. And every time it was always about him, always about him, always about him. And I realized that I couldn't trust this guy by the name of Bob. So my voices that sound so much like me, my self-sabotaging voices, and I want you to think of your own that jump into your head when you're thinking self-sabotage, your voices probably sound very much like you and your self-sabotaging or depressing, your, your, your voice of depression, its job is to make you depressed. The, the voice of self-sabotage, its job is to self-sabotage you. And you need to challenge that voice as much as it sounds like you. And so what I've done is I've given this voice a name and guess what I call it. Anybody listening would know that I call it Bob. When Bob jobs in, I say, Bob, don't have time for you. I, I, I don't want you here, get the heck out. This is my space and I get to choose who I want in my space and I don't want you. There's the door, get the heck out. And if he doesn't get the heck out, I boot his butt out. That's how I do it. I challenge those voices. Self-sabotage can be so many different things to so many different people. And guess what? We all suffer it. Doesn't matter if you are watching Tony Robbins and for anybody who does not know Tony Robbins, what rock did you crawl out from under? But he is one of the big motivational speakers uh, of our time. And he's not the only one, but many people, Oprah Winfrey, all these wonderful people, all these people that seem to have it all together, they do but they also suffer from self-sabotage from time to time. 
difference between those people uh, who tend to keep on moving forward and those who do not is they know how to handle it. They know how to label the emotion that they're experiencing and go beyond it. I'm experiencing sadness. What should I do about this? Okay, when I'm sad, I go back into the repertoire of my mind and I say, this is how I've handled sadness before. I'm going to call a friend. I'm going to watch something uplifting. I'm going to do some kind of therapy. And today that therapy is going to be yoga. That therapy is going to be music. That therapy is going to be uh, walking in nature. They tune a different channel in. Self-sabotage can beat us at different times with different things. The idea of self-sabotage, if we were to take a look at the word or, or the two words together, self-sabotage. Let's look at the word sabotage. What does sabotage mean? If you were to take a look at the dictionary, the word sabotage means to deliberately damage, destroy, or obstruct something. It's a deliberate act. When we're listening to the news or somebody says, hey, did you hear about the sabotage on, on you know, this, this plant? People were damaging stuff. They sabotaged everything. And, and we, we know that we associate it not to an accident. It wasn't the accident at the plant. It was the sabotage of the plant. Somebody wanted to destroy, damage, or obstruct what was going on in there. So it's a deliberate act. Now, let's take self-sabotage together. You sabotage yourself with a deliberate act of either destroying a dream, destroying something that, that you're looking forward to. How do you do that? You go into your mind and you say, you know what? I can't possibly ask this person out. They're gonna say no. I'm always losing out on everything. I can't do it. I can't, you know, so that's the destroying of a dream. That's destroying of a plan. So you are deliberately destroying your, your thoughts by sabotaging them right from the back, right from the beginning. You're damaging something when you damage your reputation. I'm not worthy. I'm not this. I'm not that. I'm just such a failure. That is the damage of who you are. You are as good, and you don't remind yourself of this, you are as good as everyone else. You are as worthy as everyone else. You are as beautiful as everyone else. You are as capable as everyone else, but we don't tell ourselves that. When those little voices come in our heads, we say, no, we gotta say, no, that's not me. You're in my voice, you're in my head, Bob, get the heck out of here. I am better than my circumstances. We have the conscious mind and the unconscious mind. The conscious mind are the, it's the captain of our, of our thoughts. And imagine this, the captain of a ship who has a crew working for him or her. The captain of a plane has a crew working for him or her. The captain gets to direct the plane, gets to direct the ship, gets to tell people what to do. And the people who are working for the captain obey the captain. Imagine if the captain were to say, I just can't do this. I, I just can't, I, I can't direct the plane. We're, we're gonna crash, we're all gonna crash. And if the captain entertains that thought, the crew says, we're gonna crash. We, we gotta obey, we're gonna crash. So the subconscious mind, all those people, all those little minions working for the captain, obey the captain. This is why it's so important to be the captain of your ship, to, take control of your life. 
and to say, wait a minute, I'm in control here. These thoughts, these negative thoughts are not in control of me. I am in control of them. My circumstances are not in control of me. I control my circumstances. What happens to me happens to me. How I respond to what happens to me is my choice. And so we take that moment to say, all right, that's not good. What am I going to do about it? What must I do to improve the situation I find myself in? And guess what, people? The sun rises and the sun sets, and it does it on everyone. Yes, at different times, but we can be guaranteed that the sun is going to rise and that it is going to set. And that's what happens with things in our life. We get these sunny moments where everything is going well. And we're thinking, this is great. I got the, I got the job. I got, the, I, I got my friends. I got the relationships. I got the money. I got this. I got that. Isn't life great? And then all of a sudden, the sun sets. And you're thinking, oh, this is a dark period I'm going through. Uh, what am I going to do? Well, I'm going gonna, gonna to turn on a light. I'm going to light a candle. I'm going to wait for the sun to rise and I'm going to be anxious when the sun rises. And I can do things in the meantime. And it really comes down to choice. What do we do when we sabotage ourselves? We blame others when things don't go right. We don't take that responsibility. Turn around and say, you know what? My relationship didn't work out because of him or because of her. It's their fault. Didn't work out. That was their fault. I did nothing wrong. I, you know what? I, I, I'm, I'm okay with this. I don't need them. You don't examine. You don't examine what you may have done. You don't take responsibility or accountability. You're quick to blame. The job didn't work out. It must have been them. They were conspiring against me. They did this to me. The problem is, you may have done it to yourself. It requires examination. Socrates, the great philosopher, once said that an unexamined life is a life not worth living. We got to look into our lives and we got to say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Man, I was a jerk. Ooh, wow. Um, I said that, and I did that, and I could have been better, and I should have been better. Thing is, yes, you do that, but you don't dwell on that. You learn from that, and you say, okay, I'm going to do things differently. And about this particular situation, this relationship that didn't work, I must reach out to that person, and I must ask for forgiveness. I must say that I'm sorry. And I must forgive myself and I must become a better version of who I was. I've learned not to do that again. I've learned not to take people for granted. I've learned to say those things when those things need to be say, said. I need to tell people how much I love them. Nothing is guaranteed in life. That's one of the examples of self-sabotage, blaming others when things go wrong. Not being accountable to yourself, letting yourself down, letting other people down, breaking your promises, choosing to walk away when things don't go right, procrastination, I can't do it, I can't, this is just too overwhelming. It's another example of self-sabotage, picking fights with friends or partners for no particular reason other than to be seen and to be heard as opposed to talking, to asking, to being, to being strong enough to being able to go to them and say, you know what? we have this wonderful relationship together, but I, I don't feel that you see me. I don't feel that you, you listen. And I would love for us to open up a little bit more. I would love to feel seen by you, to feel heard by you. 
there's a number of different things I could go on and on, and I've taken up enough time. I see that uh, our friend Doug has joined us, and and I'm going to open it up to to any speaker who wants to come up and share or to ask something. We've we're here to support you, and we're here to support ourselves. So don't be shy. Raise your hand. Come on up. I see some wonderful friends who have joined us. Welcome everybody. And the microphone, if you're there, uh, Doug, just flash your microphone and I'll turn it over to you for an introduction and uh, we'll take it from there. You there, Doug? And Doug may have stepped out, so we'll come back to Doug. Uh, any one of my moderators want to add anything to this topic of self-sabotage and uh, what we can do in order to take control of our lives and to negotiate our way out of self-sabotage? Any takers? What was Michelle, the Jane? Paul, yep. Michelle and then Robert. For, I mean, first of all, Paul, <clears throat> I, I just really listened to what you said and how you said it and how you approached really starting to understand self-sabotage in a way. And it was really relatable. Um, and I love that you've, you know, created Bob. And I actually had like a little picture in my head of a animated an animated Paul pulling a tiny little animated Bob out of his head and kicking him and kicking him across the room when you said that um, and I think we are so hard on ourselves and I, I I think that we can't even oftentimes believe what you said which is this idea that our subconscious just takes the orders and and does it so if we say I'm a jerk it delivers jerky issues for us and uh and we want to blame ourselves you know for everything and i think that learning to listen to those thoughts and just see them for what they are as like um you know like you would see an advertisement for uh here in the united states it's like medicare you know or an advertisement for life insurance come on the tv for 30 seconds you just look at it and say oh that's an advertisement and you don't you know, you don't make up anything about it, but the things that happen in our heads, we, we, we deem as the truth so often. And so I, I know for some of us, it's hard when we hear that we're responsible, this thing self-sabotage, I think we start to beat ourselves up even for that when so much of it is uh, subconscious or unconscious, not awakened. And so, you know, for me, I just wanted to add that I think the first step is to be awake, to be conscious to our actions, to be conscious to our thoughts, to be conscious to our behaviors or lack of behavior. And instead of judging it, just just observe it. Um, because I think it is not necessarily always so easy um, at first when we try new things, uh, acclimation. And so I just wanted to say, you know, if you're starting to look at yourself and are feeling like you're judging yourself as you're looking, you know, when you're in this room, please be gentle with yourself. Um, I think that's also part of it is finding grace for the behaviors of the past uh, or lack of behaviors or thoughts or feelings. Uh, and also for maybe having a feeling of like not knowing how to change that just be be gentle about that. So I just wanted to say that. Mike, back to you. Thank you. I was just uh, putting a, a little note in the back channel. I'm going to go to Robert, but before I do, 
Thank you for bringing uh, awareness to the forefront of this, because you're absolutely right, Michelle, without awareness, without being aware of what we find ourselves in, there's very little we can do about it. Uh, it's, it's like driving down the road and you're not aware that uh, there's a sinkhole uh, in front of you. You'll keep on driving and you'll fall into that sinkhole because you weren't aware of it. And it's very true with, with ourselves, which brings me to the thought of just self-examination again, but uh, I, won't, uh, I won't deliver on that. I'm gonna turn the microphone over to my brother, Rivera. Over to you, bro. Sure, Paul. Thank you. And that's I was going to pick up on that very theme. So thank you. Yeah, you know, it, it does begin with with self-awareness. Um, you know, you, you quoted Socrates, the unexamined life is not worth living. Those who don't know the, the history of that particular quote, um, Socrates had been accused of impiety. This is, I mean, this is a true story. He, he actually was hauled up in in uh, uh, the uh, late 400 BCs um, and uh, for impiety. And he was um, accused by people who didn't like him because he was always questioning people's assumptions, um, always questioning people's assumptions. In Athens, he was the gadfly. And he was uh, there, a few a few of his um, antagonists brought him up in front of the demos, in front of the, uh, the, the, in effect, the court that was back then, accused him of impiety and, and corrupting the young and so forth. And he gave an apology and he said, hey, you know what? I'm out there questioning because I know that I don't know these things. I don't claim to know what I don't know. And so he was appealing that in before we start accusing people of not knowing what they 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 claim to know, uh, examine ourselves first. Examine what we know. I mean, and 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 the truth is that we rarely have the full picture. We rarely have the full picture. It reminds me of something that Jonathan Haidt, um, he's a professor uh, of ethics at uh, New York uh, State uh, University. In his book, The Righteous Mind, I don't know if anybody's read it. It's a rather thick um, book. The subtitle is Why Good People Are Divided by Politics and Religion. In that book, though, he made a, a, a very compelling argument that I think is very relevant to what we're talking about. He said, we all operate on moral intuitions. You know, those are the sort of the, the instant, instantaneous perceptions we all have about other people and about the things they do. And these moral intuitions appear to us to be self-evident truths. They make us absolutely certain that we're right and absolutely certain that the others are not only wrong, but when they don't agree with us, uh, not only are they wrong, but they are somehow motivated by evil or sinister motives. These are the moral intuitions we all have. And so that is why the necessity of, of actually questioning our own assumptions, examining ourselves is so critical, is that we have these moral intuitions they seem to us to be self-evident truths and anyone who doesn't agree with them is wrong. Anyhow, bro, back to you. Thank you for that. I, I always love when you give a little history uh, to that and uh, they, that really helps. So I appreciate that. Um, so thank you both there. All right. So we're going to get um, on with it. Before we do, uh, we're going to go to uh, Doug. Are you there? Have you, uh, have you come back uh, at all, Doug? Perhaps not. So if Doug's not here, uh, we're going to have uh, King reset the room. And then we're going to go right over to James. And James, thank you. Oh, wait a minute. Doug is here. <laughs> Sorry, Paul. I literally, I just got back from a run. I was in the shower. I heard you mention my voice. I'm out. I'm back. 
And I just want to say, I have been listening, but I've been in the shower. So um, I just want to say it's, it's always a pleasure to share the stage with all of you guys and such great wisdom coming through. And I think the key that everybody's been saying is all about emotional intelligence. And obviously the self-awareness part is the first bit was always obviously mentioned that's so important to be aware of your triggers, your traumas, your parental programs, the things that spark you and create win-lose and lose-lose rather than win-win. Uh, but it's also that self-regulation in terms of being able to control yourself so you don't self-sabotage yourself in certain interactions in life and realizing that if you can take yourself out of that situation of the emotion, put yourself on the 10th floor and look back down in a respective of the observer rather than the person that's wrapped up in the emotions, it can really help in terms of asking yourself, what's reflecting back here? What am I learning here? And what can I utilize here to be a better version of myself? And then obviously as well, great books like The Four Agreements always help in terms of not making assumptions, always turning up as your best self, be immaculate with your words and don't take things personally. I think quite often in relationships especially, I think I found that quite often when you're with somebody that you love and you've chosen them because you love them and they've chosen you because you they love you as well but then something happens where they get stressed or you get stressed and then because they're there, your nearest and dearest either you or they might kind of let themselves down and i think it's so important for us to hold space for them and understand it's just their shit it's not your shit and don't take it personally and be there listen let them vent let it out and don't take it personally because i've been the one to make mistakes in that respect in the past and i have to say it's been a learning curve so if we can all, always learn and remember that we love them and not take things personally it can really really help back to you paul great thank you so much and and a lot of good stuff came out of that introduction there doug thank you uh reminds me yes let's let's live life on intention to intentionally live life and not be like a feather in the wind. A feather in the wind will take you every place. And when a, when a hard wind comes, you'll blow along with the hard wind. And uh, that's not a way to, to live your life. And, and what Doug is talking about is really living it de deliberately. And so thank you for that, Doug. Great to see you here. Always uh, good wisdom coming from you. Uh, King, if you want to reset the room and then we're going to go to James. I'm happy to reset it here. Oh, there you Sorry, I was, I was typing uh, somewhere else. Um, yeah, um, and uh, welcome. Thank you to everyone for joining us for the Negotiate Your Way Out of Self-Sabotage Room that has been going on every Saturday for almost two years now. Actually, next weekend will be the two-year anniversary of the first weekend that we actually started this room. So it's crazy to think that it's been going on for two years. And thank you to everyone who's helped us make this a success. I've met a lot of great people and we've learned a lot of great things along the way. So thank you so much. And of course, if anyone does want to come and join the conversation about self-sabotage, whether uh, you have a situation yourself you'd like to discuss or whether you have any thoughts you'd like to share about it, just raise up your hand and uh, we'll bring you up on stage. I do ask that anyone that does want to come up on stage just to make sure that you do have a a bio written out and ideally a social media account attached as well too just because we do try to keep the space as safe as we possibly can so we just want to make sure you're not someone looking to disrupt the stage and of course if you aren't able to join us to speak on stage the room chats are open for the entirety of the room so place any thoughts and questions you have there and we'll do our best to address them as the room goes on and um 
Finally, of course, if you know of anyone that might be interested in this conversation, make sure you ping them into the room. And also, if you could share it as well, whether here on Clubhouse or on your social media platforms, just to let people know about the uh, great discussions that are going on here. It really helps to get the word out there. So I thank you in advance for that. And of course, I always tell everyone to, you know, make connections while you're in here by reading everyone's bios. Take a look around the room, obviously. Take a look at the stage with all the amazing people up here. And if there's someone who's, you know, story resonates with you give them a follow and don't just follow them here on clubhouse follow them on instagram or on twitter whatever accounts they have because it gives you a chance to get to know them better and also to you know reach out to them and make a deeper connection with them if you should decide to do that um just uh, you know it's always nice to know uh, you know different sides of people rather than just uh, one side of them and so with that paul i'm going to hand the microphone back over to you if you're ready paul over uh, yes, to you sir. I am. I'm ready. Thank you so much. And uh, thanks for that reset. Michelle is going to reset the room next. But um, before we do that, uh, we're going to go to James, who's been waiting very patiently. And then we're going to go to Jen, our moderator, and ask for an introduction. So, Jen, welcome. And uh, so nice to see you. James first and then Jen next. So over to you, James. Thank you, Paul. Yeah, wonderful room. I, I was a little late arriving in, in today, but uh, I've just uh, turned the phone on and thought, goodness me, it's that time on uh, on Saturday evening. I should be here, really, getting getting the wisdom just to <clears throat> just to grow and learn. And and, and obviously, I'm, I'm getting a lot of that because this afternoon I was with uh, with my mom who'd been visiting this afternoon, and it was really really good to to see because I, I've been a little bit, uh, I've been busy, busy this week. And I knew uh, this morning that I was going to have to be busier to get a few things sorted. So I could feel that I was going to probably get stressed over the the situation that was building up. Anyway, after lunch with mom, we uh, tackled a few things that needed sorting, and I was mindful of not taking too much of mom's time, so because she's she's really independent these days, and uh, and and which is really nice. We have we have a, a solid relationship, but um, I make sure that um, she has her own independence, and uh, and obviously I have mine now as well. And I have great respect for that, but uh, the weather turned a little bit this afternoon as we was uh, saying goodbye and uh, getting rid of some uh, recycling that she was helping me take to the recycling centre. And, and the weather got really bad, like hailstones instantly as soon as we walked out. And uh, I thought, well, a little pass was what I was saying, but, but her mum's reactions were different, so... I made sure she got in the car quickly and I dealt with the full situation and then I loaded her car and what have you and once I got in the car I just thought right you're going to have to listen for a bit here now and and I did listen and um finally um mom mom realized that she'd uh, that she'd said enough and uh, she'd got it out of her system the uh, the disappointment with the weather, um, and uh, and I just took the cold shower and kind of laughed at myself really quietly. Um, and then when we got to the recycling depot, I said, "You keep in the car and stay warm. I I can uh, sort it out to all the different skips." And 
as as I did that uh, halfway through sorting everything out, another uh, batch of hailstone arrived, and I thought, well. It's nicer than when you do it on the bicycle because that is like being machine gunned by snipers. It's uh, I had that on Thursday when I had to I had to react and and go to my doctor's to to get something sorted and uh, and I dealt with that situation and got one of my best cycling times yet for that kind of aggressive head-on wind with the. With three, with two or three minutes worth of, uh, of uh, I think it was two or three bursts of hailstone in in the hour and a half, and and that journey normally takes me uh, that sort of time. So when you add the headwind and all the battering, I was really quite pleased. But uh, all of these things are adding up all the time because I think you've got to keep training yourself to reach them higher standards. So. Uh, there's a lot of blessings to be had on Clubhouse, and uh, and certainly your room, Paul, and and your brother Robert, and and all the moderators, because you've got quite a powerful team here. It's uh, it's wonderful, and and on that, I see there's a queue behind me, so I would normally ring the bike bell and move on, but uh, I'm just enjoying a little rest at the moment, and uh, and the front room is not full of bicycles in, uh, and and it's quite nice to not be in a bicycle shed in my front room. So I've had a wonderful day, and and it's just nice to share it with you all, uh, um, and I look forward to hearing everybody else's share. So thank you so much. Oh, James, <laughs> I so appreciate you. You, you. you you always bring such light into the room. Thank you for sharing that. And I, I love what you were saying a little bit earlier. I could feel I was getting into this state, and yet you didn't give in to the state of anxiety. Uh, you actually, you were, you were serving um, someone. You were serving your mother and, and uh, all this. It's just... It's beautiful because you're you're touching on things that we can all learn from. Is we we can see at times or feel the state coming on, whether whatever that state is, and then we can do something about it. We can turn the channel. And James, thank you for sharing that. Any one of my moderators want to jump in and say anything to James because that was just a beautiful, beautiful share. Love it. Anyone? No. All right, James. I got something. Um, I just want to say, James, I'm like so happy that after a full day and after a day where, you know, you did get to, I feel like you used a little resiliency and you pivoted and you, uh, you know, like to Paul's point, because I don't know what point you came in the room, but when he was in his opening um, piece, he mentioned, you know, this, this ability to respond rather than react and that that is an act of non-self-sabotage and so you know for me i was like listening to you tell your tale of today with the hail and taking care of your mom and you know it's it's um it's really something when we start to really care for our parents uh just that transition alone of just being a child and allowing ourselves to be an adult child and then that point in which we start to you know really be accountable for their well-being emotional physical and others and you know it's like wow he's checking off all the boxes tick 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 and um you know i was feeling really happy with you um for the day that you had and also 
you know, just to get to be a part, see a small window of your life in your part of the world and the fact that you had hailed twice. Oh my gosh. Um, and I, I was just thinking, well, you know, it's like really a blessing that she has you. And, um, I want to say that to you as someone who both of my parents have now passed. And I was, um, I did support both my parents as they aged and, um, you know, just never doubt the difference that you make in that current role that you now have. Uh, so I just wanted to pass that to you, Mike, back to you, Paul. Thank you so much. So well said too. And, and James, thanks for your share again. Uh, wow. You know, there, there's so much that can be said about how we choose and everyone knows here who's been in this room before that I love that word choice, that six letter word that can just change everything, how we choose to respond to certain things, what we choose to do. And without choice, uh, well, we can remain in a, in a cage of our own making. If we choose, uh, if we're put in a spot where we feel that we don't have control, uh, or if we, as, as James was talking about, he could feel the onset of stress. And if he put himself into that stress box and just said, okay, well, I'm going to give in to this stress, uh, he locks himself into a cage of his own making and remains there until someone either has a key and lets him out or he lets himself out. And in most cases, we just have to let ourselves out. But number one, we can't put ourselves in the box. So I love that, James. Thank you so much. I'm going to move you back into the audience. And uh, I really appreciate you. So please do come back. And, and what a great share. And for everyone who's been here, really appreciate the fact that you are here on this day. And I see that Jen is on the telephone. So we can't go to her for an introduction at the moment, but we will. What I just share something with you, and here's a little bit of an idea, and whether or not you choose choose to use it or not, it's up to you. There are times where we doubt ourselves, right? That that little voice, that that Bob of yours, whatever you call it, that voice that comes into your head and tells you whatever. Uh, you you might give in to that, or you might feel that you're giving in to that, and that you can't you can't fight it. Well, you're wrong. You can fight it. it, takes some work, but you can fight it. You can, you can handle whatever comes your way. And it's so very true. Oftentimes we, we think to ourselves, I can never get through this. And yet we told ourselves that 10 years ago when we went through something, we lost a pet, we lost a loved one, we lost a job, we lost somebody that we, we loved dearly, whatever it was, we got through that. And so 10 years ago, five years ago, we went through some of life's storms and we made it through. So the old saying, this too shall pass, is very true. At the moment where we're going through the storm, we have to remember that we can't stop. And I believe it was Theodore Roosevelt who once said, when you find yourself going through hell, keep going. <laughs> Don't stop. I remember one very, very cold winter when my daughters uh, were very young. My, my youngest daughter was about 
five and my oldest daughter was six and a half, almost seven years old. We were walking in the neighborhood. I, I had the, the toboggan out and it was I'd taken the girls. We'd bundled up and the snow was out there. It was actually a beautiful, beautiful winter's day, but it was cold. And we were going down the street. We lived in this very uh, beautiful rural area and I was taking them out for a little bit of fresh air. <laughs> it was cold, but fresh air and uh, they were walking behind me. Now, my daughter Cassie's legs were these tiny little legs, and, and they couldn't keep up as much as, you know, her older sister, who was taller than her, and of course me. So we all adjust, or, or try to adjust to the, pers the persons we're with. But Cassie kept moving back. I used to call her my little trail monkey, because she used to trail behind each and every one of us. And at one point, I was a few feet ahead of her, and I turned around, the wind was whipping, and I wanted to make sure that they, that they had their faces covered. And Cassie was sitting on this metal, this, just this metal box. It was one of these electrical boxes uh, that uh, stored a lot of the cables for our little court uh, in the middle of nowhere. And she was just sitting there. And I went to her and I said, honey, what are you doing? <sighs> Dad, I can't go on. I, I, I can't walk anymore. I'm sorry, I'm just gonna stay here. I'm just gonna stay here. And I, I took a moment and I thought, okay, dad, how are you gonna handle this one? And I wanted to make this a, a teaching moment for my daughter. And I said, you know, honey, you could stay here and I don't want you to, but if you stay here, you could freeze. You could get really cold and it's not good. Your house is right there. You can see it, it's right there. And it was, it was just like, maybe four or 500 feet away. We lived in a rural community. It was just a short distance away. We could see the lights on in the house. We could see that it was warm in the house. We could see all those things, but Cassie couldn't. She just couldn't muster the energy to move forward. And I spoke to her and I said, it's so important, honey, that at these times when we get really cold, that we don't just stop right here. We just keep moving and looking for that shelter and that, that shelter is at home. It's right there. So come on, I am going to hold your hand. We're going to walk together. We're going to do this together. We're going to rock home. And she did. She jumped off the box. I held her hand and we walked together and then I picked her up and I, I brought her the rest of the way. There's a lesson, folks, is that at times when those storms hit us, we're at that times that we find ourselves in that extreme cold, whatever it is that we're faced with, it's not time to sit and well in it. This too shall pass, but we got to do the work. We got to, you know, you move those legs. We got to take that action. We got to just keep moving forward because shelter is around the corner. We'll find it. We'll make it. We'll create it. We'll do whatever it takes. Now, one of the things that I do is that I put little post-it notes in my home when I need that little bit of encouragement. I have one on my fridge and it says, how bad do you want it? <laughs> and this one means something to me because I look at it every day and it reminds me I'm going to fast and I'm going to exercise. How bad do you want to be in shape? And, and, and just reading that on the fridge, having it just available to me on the fridge makes a big difference. It reminds me, whoop, there's a sticky note. It's in my mind, but it's also in a place where I can see it. 
How about putting sticky notes in your place, maybe in, in your bathroom, that you remind yourself at night to tell yourself that you're beautiful, to tell yourself you're amazing. You've got this. Whatever your little sticky note may say to you, it's all going to work out. It could be another one that says, do what it takes, or you've got this. Start posting some sticky notes in places where you, you, you'll see it and you'll take a moment just to think, you've got this. Life doesn't have you, you've got life. And that's what I would like to contribute to this moment. And thank you for listening. Off to Jen, I see that she's off the phone. Hello, Jen, welcome. Over to you for an introduction and a hello, Jen. Thank you so much. I am so grateful to be here. I've been here so many times as a listener and I'm grateful to be up on the stage and even more surprised and grateful to um, to be moderated today. And um, as Michelle knows, um, this is a topic near and dear to my own heart um, from a body image and weight point of view, particularly, um, but certainly in all things in life. And for me, um, I, this has been my, my career in helping others find their peace with their body image and a healthy, stable weight for them, whatever that means to them, uh, for about the last 10 years as a part of my own healing journey from every eating disorder and complex PTSD as a result of my own uh, pre-verbal trauma that continued until I was in my 20s. And for me, um, the point of healing is to allow us to use all of those things that have happened to us to kind of reach our hand back and, and help someone else along the way. And for me, as far as weight particularly was concerned, um, and I'm finding it applies to really everything in my life, is coming back to the why. And if the why you are doing something is to change yourself, to fix yourself, to make yourself different in some way, to become more lovable, more acceptable, blend in, hide, do all of those things to become less of yourself. Um, is really where where the the issue of self-sabotage is and for me that's what it was i was put in weight watchers as a five-year-old child and if that doesn't mess up your body image and your self-image i don't know what what does and most certainly i will say that i know that my parents did the very best that they could with the spiritual emotional mental and physical resources they had at the time but that doesn't undo the damage it did for me. And so for me, my focus for the first 47 years of my life was something is wrong with you. Um, the things that happened to you, to your physical body, devalued you and made you less worthy and less valuable. And also just naturally by, by virtue of genetics of your body type, you are less valuable, you are less worthy, and something, something is wrong about you and something needs to be fixed. And as long as that was my mindset in, in any kind of 
weight loss, you know, when, when weight loss was the goal, when changing my, my physical body to be more lovable or more acceptable was the goal, it was never in alignment with who I was and am and who you are and am, which is love. You know, we are all truly and only created of and have always been made of love and everything else is an illusion. And when I came face to face with that, that I was, as I was created, perfect, whole, complete, capable, creative, a perfect extension and reflection of my understanding of God. And my efforts became about feeling worthy of my own care and love and support, everything changed, everything changed. I lost over a hundred pounds three times in my life. The last time I lost about 190 pounds in 2013 and it's the only time it stuck and it's because it's the only time that my why was different. And so I will say once again, come back to your why come back to your why. And with that, I am so grateful, whole and complete. Thank you, Jen. Appreciate that. What a story. What a remarkable uh, story. So much we can get from that too. And uh, I appreciate uh, you being here. Thank you. All right. So we're going to move on to Jacob. And thank you, Jacob, for being so patient and welcome to the stage. Are you there? Jacob. Yes. Hey, happy Saturday everybody um i'm glad to be here uh paul and king on your balloon days happy balloon day and um just great to be here with everybody robert michelle candace doug jen uh Tazy, james and everybody um yeah i'm a little speechless um i was gonna talk about um smoking i i think i only shared once Previously, although this totally makes my Saturday best Saturday show on Clubhouse. Um, and thank you so much for putting it on. Um, I shared once before last year. And um, I feel and I wanted to come back and say, hey, guys, I quit smoking. <laughs> I totally did it. High fives all around. Um, and it didn't kind of happen like that. Um, and although I feel like I'm almost like the way out of the um, my metaphorical hell that I've been um, experiencing um, in this time of my life, I feel like I'm near the end. Um, and I really have this like feeling that it's going to happen. Um, and uh, and yet I feel like I'm experiencing a perpetual philosophical crisis on like, am I making the right choice and why and when and um, and what layer of reasoning am I using? And, you know, going even back to like the fundamental whys and I'm like, OK, well, you know, from take care of myself and my family structure. And then as human beings, you know, there's things that we engage in, which is important to us, um, like economics or perhaps like uh, uh, creating a higher quality of life or maybe even reaching out to other places, right? <laughs> um, 
But uh, the the how bad do you want it was um, that's uh, that's an interesting framework because uh, it reminds me of a a motivational speech that I heard one time where the person's like uh, your goal when you want it like as bad as you want like um, the the example he used was like oxygen I think that could be a little extreme (laughs) but um, it's like it's it's a choice it's like sitting being able to sit with my anxiety instead of just continuing to like jump around it's like I feel like I'm missing out on the fundamental pillars of my day. Um, even though I think again, like I've been a lot more productive recently. I joined the gym. I even joined the, the boxing gym and I did four sessions in the past, like two weeks since I got back from Texas. And it's like, and, um, yeah, my family communication has improved because it's something that that was like my first heavy focus. And now it was kind of like, okay, we'll get my body back up to, you know, to speed because I feel like I've been neglecting myself in terms of eating and exercise. And yeah, it's like my eating habits have been really good because I did a five-star system where I'm like, okay, if I eat within the first three hours that I wake up, I get five stars. If it takes me six hours, four stars. And then three, and now I'm like, and I really don't like those like three or less star days. But for some reason it did happen. And it's like, I've had five star days like for like a month now. And yeah, but it's like, I, I just, I don't know, but I'm just still not like fully, fully there. But the the frame, it's like, yeah, I know it's it's my choice. So yeah, I don't know. And nice to be here with everybody. You know, uh, Jacob, uh, thank you so much for joining us. And I do remember when you came on last year and talked about the smoking and we were all hoping to celebrate uh, that day where you could say that I'm done with it. And uh, so before I I pipe in on some of the thoughts that I have that may uh, that may land with you. I'm going to open it up to my moderators if anyone wants to speak to this, because uh, there's uh, there's so much here that we can unpack. Um, anyone want to start this off? Yes, Candice. Thanks, Paul, and uh, welcome, Jacob. It's it's so nice to hear your voice and have you join us today. And I just wanted to offer perhaps a different perspective um, because I I hear you know the 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 passion in your voice and you know how much you deeply want to achieve these goals that you've set out for yourself. And in telling your story, I heard you really focusing on what you haven't gotten to be able to do yet. But yet in your story, you shared so many accomplishments and so many milestones that you have achieved in terms of, you know, getting to your goal, in terms of going to the gym, in terms of eating, in terms of the communication. And so I wonder if there's an opportunity to start celebrating, you know, all of the accomplishments that you have done. And that's not to say that you're not sort of focused on that end goal of, of quitting smoking and, you know, and getting more stars, but really giving thanks to yourself and, and praise to yourself for all the things that you have done and that you are continuing to do. And so it's just changing, you know, the way we talk to ourselves. We're, we're pretty good at complimenting other people when they see that they've made, you know, um, small steps towards their goal, but we're maybe not as kind and gentle and compassionate to ourselves. 
So I wonder if even, you know, at the end of every day when you're brushing your teeth, you can kind of look at yourself in the mirror and, and say, hey, you know what, today I'm really proud of myself for, you know, going to the gym or, or you know, whatever the gains are that you did and just maybe start changing the narrative of how you speak to yourself. Um, and, and that will, you know, help keep you going forward, but, you know, still focusing on, on the pluses and maybe not the losses. I appreciate that. That is good. Thank you so much. And, and you know what? Yeah, Candice, I really appreciate the um, the fact that you mentioned those small celebrations and to take the time to to celebrate our successes and not focus on the things that we still need to work on. So wonderful. Thank you. Uh, anyone else want to jump in on this uh, conversation? All right, uh, Michelle. Actually, just one quick thing, you know, I, Jacob. I just wanted to say, um, I wrote you in the back channel because I went there to see. Oh, I'm interested to see if he has any other social media because for me, I'm an experiential learner, and I learn um, not just through you know auditory through listening, but also sometimes I want to like see someone or look at something else that they've said. And so I did reach out to ask you if you had any other things, and that's just out of you know, my inherent feeling of connection with you, which is one of the great things about this community. And I am an ex-smoker. Um, and I gave up smoking a long time ago now because I've had a lot of years beneath my belt. Um, and, you know, it. <clears throat> I'll tell you that each person's journey is their own. And one of the hardest things um, when I was at the age I was when I did quit was a feeling of comparison to, it wasn't any one specific person, it was to what I thought I should be doing, what I thought I oughta be doing. Like, because I was raised by very principled parents um, in, or, you know, in my community, it was very principled as well. So I had a lot of shouldas um, and I didn't realize that they were in my own mind most of the time, more than the actual people around me were <laughs> shoulda-ing me. But one of the things that came up for me in my healing of that addiction was really recognizing, wow, I am almost blaming myself for a let's call it a concept that I, you know, everybody else did it, you know, I ought to be able to do it and was therefore making myself feel um, a little less than adequate in my own journey. And I did quit. I haven't smoked in 30 something years. Um, and so I know that, you know, when whenever we do really tether to that why it does help um, and I just wanted to say, keep going, you know, keep going. Um, and you got this and, uh, just know that we're always here as a support. That's it. Thank you. Okay. Did you want to say something? Yeah, just very quickly. I just want to sort of add to what, uh, Candice and, uh, Michelle have already touched on, uh, Jacob is just the, the fact of, you know, just make sure you celebrate what you have been able to accomplish as well, because we too often, you know, kind of beat ourselves up over things and we don't celebrate the things that we have managed to do. And as, you know, Michelle alluded to, too, don't, you know, don't 
look at it as don't give yourself this imaginary timeline of when you think you should have accomplished something by or, or what point you should be at as long as you've been making forward progress it's amazing man i mean it's you know life you know there you know we oftentimes like i said we compare ourselves too much against you know sort of imaginary timelines or goals that really don't matter i mean it's just it's just something that we put inside our own heads and while you know and so once again just focus on the goal keep going forward sounds like you're doing a great job and just you know celebrate all that you've already been able to accomplish so that's it uh back to you uh paul thank you thank you uh yes uh, uh do robert uh, robert do you have anything that you would like to add or jen uh jen's on the phone but uh robert Perhaps not. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna lay in here, Jacob. I'll talk from my own personal experience here, having been a smoker myself too. I first like to focus on the fact that I applaud you uh, for examining your life, and, and and you've done that. You've taken a look at your health, and it appears that you have made this a a big uh, a big challenge uh, for you, and a great challenge. You're looking to you're you're dieting, you're exercising. Uh, you're doing the things, or you're at least you're taking that journey. Uh, Lao Tzu, uh, a famous philosopher, once said that the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. And what I've added to his quote was the idea is that we keep moving forward. So now that you have a plan, now that you have a goal, the idea is that we continue working towards the goal. You can't go to the gym one day or two days, lift the weights, uh, jump on the treadmill, and expect to have the body that you want and the results that you want. We have to be consistent. We have to keep going. It has to become a lifestyle. And speaking of myself, when it comes to exercise, my brother Robert shared with me something about four years ago uh, about intermittent fasting. And I won't go into all the details of intermittent fasting, but boy, has it changed my life. It really has. I conditioned myself, and when I say conditioned, it only took a few times. It, it only took a few times. The first time I tried intermittent fasting, which is for anybody who may be familiar with it, it is just, it's, it's, it's eating within a certain time frame. And uh, in 24 hours, if you take a look, 24 hours a day, you could use, uh, for example, a 16-8 kind of thing where you go without food for 16 hours, and then the next eight hours, you could have your three meals. Or you could do an 18-6, or you could do a 20-hour uh, and a four-hour window of eating. I've decided to do the 20 and the four. I find, or even I go as far as 24, so I'll eat one meal. But if I do the 24, uh, I find that I go 20 hours without uh, eating a meal. I have black coffee and water or some tea without any kind of sugars or anything in it, you know, just to, you, to have something. And I don't miss it. And what's happening inside my body is truly incredible. I'll give you an example. About three and a half months ago, I weighed myself and I have this, this scale that tells me my body weight, tells me my BMI, tells me uh, my, my body fat percentage and all that. And I was sitting at about 166, 165, 166, 167. That was my regular. My body fat was about 19%. And I thought, okay, now you've done intermittent fasting, but you really haven't been sticking to it, Nadeau. So it's time for you to stick to the program. And I also decided to quit drinking and uh, completely cut alcohol out of my out of my life. And I had come to the habit of of drinking almost every day 
just it was like, hey, it was a habit. It was for me, I'll grab something to drink. It's, it's a nice pastime. It's this, it's that. I cut it all out. And I went in that three months, three and a half months, from 167, I am now sitting at 147. That's 20 pounds, folks. Do the math. 147. I went from 19% body fat down to 8 I am feeling so much better, looking so much better. The mirror doesn't lie. And it was a lifestyle change. It was making certain commitments and sticking to it. Earlier when I started talking, I, I, I made the reference to the fact that when we let ourselves down, when we make a goal and we let ourselves down, we, we don't follow through on the promises that we make to ourselves or make to other people, that's an act of self-sabotage. It uh, wasn't difficult to do. It just required focus and commitment and asking myself, how bad do you want it? Hence, I, I told you and I shared with all of you here today that I had that sticker on my fridge. This was one of the reasons I put that sticker on the fridge, because every time I wanted to go into that fridge and grab something to eat or go down to the liquor store and grab something to drink, I reminded myself, how bad do you want it, Nadeau? Do you want it that bad? And I started to document the changes in me. I have a diary, and I don't, I don't add to the diary every day, but I do every week, a couple of entries a week. And I, I suggest you do it every day. I don't. I do it uh, every couple of days or every three or four days, but I have it. And I've read the progress that I've made, the progress, as you would say, in the United States, and it's amazing. We can do it when we make it a priority in our lives. So for you, uh, Jacob, the idea of giving up smoking is difficult. Yes, it is. But number one, how bad do you want it? Number two, maybe for, uh, for fun. You, uh, you spend money on cigarettes. Every time you have the feeling that you want to go out and buy that pack of smokes, take that 10 bucks or 15 bucks or whatever it may be, throw it in a jar and just leave it there and see what happens after a month or two of collecting the money that you would have spent. And imagine what it's doing to your body to reverse the effects of what that, that poison is doing to you. And imagine the, the life that you want without that. And your diet and exercise, I'm not going to jump on the bandwagon of intermittent fasting, although I do encourage you and anyone here who is looking to improve the quality of your life to reverse the age uh, process, because it does. Uh, just fasting does so much. I'll get to you in just a moment, Kim. And uh, there's so much to benefit from doing this and I speak from it and it's not like I'm going through the day going oh I'm so hungry I'm so hungry no it's not it's like uh, I look forward to my meal and I don't have to really worry about what I'm going to eat I can eat my pizza I can eat whatever but calories in calories out I'm aware that I have to exert more calories through exercise walking King and I do something regularly and we've been doing this for Gosh, has it been a couple of years, King? We've been going, I, I think it's been really a habit of ours since we started this room, is that King and I will go out for long walks, an hour, sometimes uh, an hour and a half. We'll just walk miles. And walking is one of the best ways of burning calories and losing weight. And it's fun. We walk and we, we talk and we, we just, we, we take in the world around us. 
and I will work out five times a week at least. I'll go to the gym, 35, 45 minutes. And I, I just, I, I make it, this has come, become a lifestyle. Don't miss the things that I don't have because I cut them out. How bad do you want it? You can do it. Keep a diary. These are a few of my thoughts. Going to turn it right over to King. And uh, you, Jacob, you can do it. I know you can. I believe in you. Believe in yourself, Jude, because you've got it. All right, over to you, King. Thank you. Thanks, Paul. Yeah, 100%. I mean, there's a lot of uh, great methods out there. I did I did just want to mention to everyone as well, like if anyone's thinking of doing something like intermittent fasting or taking up a new fitness regime or doing anything that sort of changes either your diet or your physical activity or anything like that, make sure you talk to your primary care physician first, just in case, because everyone's situation is slightly different. So you want to make sure that you're doing it in such a way that there isn't something that might, you know, that... <clears throat> Uh, you know, uh, specific to you that might interfere with that because the last thing you want to do is, uh, you know, do something wrong and hurt yourself in the process. So I just wanted to sort of make sure that uh, that, that we mentioned that. Uh, but definitely, I mean, it's, I mean, I've, you know, Paul, you know, I, like I said, I've seen, seen the change with, within him and it's definitely been, uh, it's definitely worked really, really well with him. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I did <clears throat> just want to caution with anything. Like if you change anything in your life, um, that uh, might relate to your body, your health, whatever, just make sure you check with your primary care physician first, just to make sure that it is something that is right for you. So I just want, uh, uh, that's all I want to add. And so uh, back over to you, Paul. Thank you so much. All right. Uh, so I see that Jacob um, has gone into the audience. Thank you, Jacob, for bringing that up. And, and we really encourage you to, to keep moving forward. And I celebrate you for the things that you've accomplished and for the things that you have as goals and just keep moving forward. Remember that everything in the past that may not have worked out is not a failure, it's simply data, it's information. That didn't work out, what must I do to make it work out and keep moving forward? And I see that our wonderful friend, Glenn has joined us. And Glenn, if you are uh, in a position to unmute and uh, introduce yourself, we'd absolutely love that. We were talking about you earlier and I hope that your ears were burning when we did. Are you there, Glenn? Yeah, Paul, I'm here. I'd like to listen in for a little bit and kind of see what the perfect place would be for me to uh, actually add some value but I'm here and I'm grateful to be here. We are grateful to have you here and thank you. Uh, we will certainly welcome whenever you are ready to unmute and add because your ads are always magic and, uh, and meaningful. So I like that, M&Ms, magic and meaningful. Taisy, hello. Good morning and congratulations to you and King on two years of an exceptional room that's helped me so much. So thank you, thank you, you guys. Maggie just disappeared. She was sitting here with me, we we're waiting and, oh, here she comes, here she comes. <laughs> okay, so anyway, here's Maggie and we went to the beach yesterday. She's gonna talk a little bit about uh, rediscovering our core selves. Oh, okay. Um, well, hello everyone. First of all, sorry I ran away. <laughs> As you may have seen on the news, um, we're in Southern California and the whole West Coast has been slammed with storms. So yesterday and the day before, the storm wiggled north a bit 
and was out at sea uh, beyond us. So we went down to the beach yesterday, our old stomping grounds. Both mm. of us grew up there. And there was this wonderful, you know, wild storm surf coming in. And we could see the edge of the storm, which is starting to hit today. Yeah. <laughs> so um, there was this visceral, just wonderful shared experience between the two of us. And we had a realization that we spent um, more time at the beach and in the ocean during our childhood than anywhere else. So we were really formed um, down at the beach. Yeah, really. And then, you know, just quickly, Mexicans have a saying, esta es mi tierra, which means, you know, you are connected to the land where you grew. And I, I, we really felt that yesterday. Yeah, it was, it was strong and it was a really joyful, kind of exuberant feeling. And the ocean was just wild. You know, it was just churning and big <laughs> waves and backwash. And, Gorgeous. And yeah. both of us realized that our experience of it was as if we were in that water because we had in fact experienced water exactly like that many times yeah growing up so now in this life phase and and tazy made a comment she said you know, we were so uh, courageous. We, we were brave. Yeah, we were so brave. <laughs> and I'm not going to do that now. <laughs> yeah, but um, it strikes me, you know, thinking almost that there is a core resilience in this. We, we really um, learned to be strong and to adapt to constantly changing conditions that remains and is part of who we are now. Yeah. The other realization was that when you experience something from your childhood, along with somebody else who was there, we have mm -hmm. that rare treasure yeah. of having met when we were two years old and we're still <laughs> friends. Yeah. Um, it is amplified. The wisdom and the learning that, that was uh, founded in those formative years is amplified in that e event when you can have a shared uh, remembrance like this. Right. I mean, anything with a partner, with a teammate is, um, you know, that symbiotic mm -hmm. growth. It's more than just two people at that point. And Jacob, I got to tell you, good for you. Keep swinging because at the beginning of every summer, and Maggie remembers this too, mm -hmm. we would get wiped out by one wave <laughs> or another, and we would just have sand in every part of us, and we would immediately go back in the water, get cleaned off, and start again mm -hmm. because you have to just get up and keep swinging. And I think that's where part of that came from for us. But everybody has that childhood, and everybody has a, a resilience that they've built up mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you rediscover once you retire, you really rediscover who you are, were, mm -hmm. are. <laughs> yeah. So, so it felt um, celebratory and does still. Um, and you know, that, that it was a wonderful reminder of the person inside and that that same resilience, is extent and will carry us into this next phase. Would we jump in that water now? No. I'm yeah. not gonna, I'm, <laughs> for a certain amount of money, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now it's the same way. Could we? Yes. Yes. So, we could. Anyway, we could. That's anyway, kind of what we. We wanted. are so appreciative of you, King, and you, Paul, and you, everybody that's up on stage every week, week after week, and just, I love coming here, and I'm so grateful to you all. And that's it for today.
Wow, Tazy and Maggie, what gems, what beautiful, what a beautiful message. You know, the storms of life and, and how we respond to them again. That response is that we can't let these things get to us. We've got to take control of them. They don't define us. We define them. And life is going to hit us hard. Um, and you know what? I, I jump into this every once in a while. I'm going to jump into this again. It's only going to take a minute or so, but it's Rocky's inspirational speech. I love to deliver this. I memorized it. And here it goes. Rocky's inspirational uh, talk to his son in one of his movies, I think it was called Rocky Balboa, he says, the world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you down to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody's gonna hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you're hit, it's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward, how much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Now, if you know your, your worth, go out and get what you're worth. But you got to be willing to take the hits and not pointing the finger saying you ain't where you want to be because of him or her or nobody. Cowards do that and that ain't you. You're better than that. And that's the speech. And it really is about dealing with the, the storms of life, which Tay-Z has mentioned and Maggie has mentioned, dealing with that. And, and our thoughts go out to everyone in California who is struggling so, so much with, with the storms that are hitting and with what they are facing and what they're going to face. Our thoughts and our prayers go out to them. Tazy, Maggie, thank you for that wonderful share and just for that energy that you brought into this room. It's absolutely beautiful. Any one of my moderators want to add to that? To that, It, it was just, I felt, Glenn. Yeah, Paul, here's the deal. Listen, if you're going to do the speech, you know, I really want to spend some time hearing you do a little bit of an East Coast thing because you do the speech so damn well. You got it down, my friend. So if you can, uh, you know, slow down a little bit and give a little East Coast thing, I think it would uh, would be amazing because right now I find myself moved and I'm not talking about my bowels. I'm talking about my heart. Okay? So I'm just saying. You bet. All right. Hey, yo. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are. It will beat you down to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you're hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Now, if you know what you're worth, go out and get what you're worth but you gotta be willing to take the hits and not point at the finger saying, you ain't where you are because of him or her or anybody. Cowards do that and that ain't you. You're better than that. How was that? <laughs> yeah, <that's true. laughs> hey, hey, can we yeah. come, listen, hey, can we come off of our mics and acknowledge the beauty of what that was about? Paul, that was fantastic. Yo, Adrian. Yo, Paul. <laughs> Paulie, Paulie. Well, thank you. Thank, thank you. Thank you. I want, I want to take this moment to thank my, my teacher, Glenn, for, <laughs> for reminding me that we got to put passion in everything that we do. My Bud, I would be honored to do a movie with you. You did that so well. Thanks, man. That was inspirational. Thank, <laughs> thank you. you. And I, I, I'm hoping that that happens this year, my friend. Michelle. Yeah. Oh, Tazy and Maggie. Wow. <clears throat> you know what I got out of that? It, 
first of all, it's interesting um, because in the back, uh, we were saying, well, if we don't get all of the mods in, what do we want to talk about? And one of the things that came up was resilience. And it's really funny. We said that. And then today, many of the speakers that have come up have mentioned resilience. Uh, and I think the other word that came up to me was, well, maybe just with childhood, it's brilliance. It's the brilliance of children to, in their ability to connect to and um, and sort of author their life through the passion that life inscribes uh, within us. There's There's a I mean, just the way you were talking about your time at the beach, there's there's this, I don't know, I, I don't know if it's like courage as much or bravery as much as it is just connection to just the excitement and the adoration and the incredible, um, insanely gorgeous feeling of being in life fully. Uh, without a lot of trauma, children... Uh, are just nat naturally connected and engaged in life. And I think as we build up borders and boundaries and our defender, our ego, um, it sort of takes us out of the present. And what I got the moment both of you guys got on or gals got on the mic today was, wow, you know, you guys, it's as if I'm with you, you know, in your youth. Uh, because that's really how I felt it was. Like I just, you guys were practically finishing each other's sentences and, you know, th there was this sort of communal languaging going on. And so I just really want to thank you for bringing that joy because I had goosebumps going like up my left arm and across the back of my neck um, because it reminded me to stay in the present moment where children and teens tend to, you know, regale life and exuberantly connect with it and um just felt like you really honored that today and so that's all i wanted to share lots of love to you guys and keep enjoying the day 100 i just want to also add to z that thank you very much and i'm so glad to hear that you guys are having so much fun you really just sound like you guys are having a ball down there right now in california so i'm glad so drive safe i can't wait to hear about more of your adventures and uh, thank you for uh, all the support and uh, thanks for all the love. Uh, talk to you later, Tazy. Uh, back to you, Paul. Thank you. And guys, uh, that was beautiful, Tazy. Thank you so much, Maggie. Thank you so much. Just the, uh, I, I loved, when I was listening to your story, I was, list, I, I was imagining the waves just hitting you guys and, and spinning you this way and spinning you that way and, and just you guys going along with the waves. And it was a beautiful picture and a reminder that waves are going to hit just like sunshine and rainbows. All right. So thank you so much, Tazy and Maggie. Uh, you guys, uh, you know, I'd, I'd love for you to come back and share some more. Of course, Tazy, you're always here. So thank you so much. Really appreciate you. All right. Um, I am going to ask Michelle to reset the room. Absolutely, Paul. So first of all, welcome to everybody who's in the room. I've seen new people popping in and some old friends that I've seen, and I've gotten a back channel with a lot of you. You are here with us. We're a week from celebrating two years that King and Paul opened this room, and I uh, came in shortly thereafter uh, because I'd met Paul in a room about negotiation, and I just really felt like he had so much honor and respect and care 
uh, for other people. And I loved having that in Clubhouse because a lot of the rooms don't. So this room is a pure community. Uh, we do have replays on, and yet the room is filled with vulnerability, and we really celebrate that, and we, we nurture it. And what we would love would be if you guys would click on the little green house that says uh, right to the right of take control of your life and join the clubhouse so you get notified every Saturday to come in because we are here every Saturday, although we did take one Saturday off uh, between Christmas and New Year's. Uh, and uh, we're here because there is such a big desire for people to want to grow, for people, especially on weekends, to be able to give to themselves. So we're here from 12 till 2 every Saturday, Eastern Standard Time. And we're here to listen to your questions, to listen to um, areas where you've grown or to your challenges. And we always have a slightly different mod base, but most of us are in uh, very, very frequently. And so please join the club. And if you already joined it, can you click on it again? Because guess what you can do? You can actually add other people that you know to the club. You can invite them into the club, not just to the room. And we would really appreciate that too. Um, so please do that as well. And we want to just say to you that we love having you up here. Please consider coming up and sharing. And when you're done, please know we gently tuck you back into the audience. It's easier for us to see who we're speaking to when there are less people on the stage. And if you want to share on another topic or, you know, maybe share on something that someone else uh, got on stage to share, you could just raise your hand again and we'd be more than happy to bring you up. And so um, hopefully you'll become a member of this community. Uh, King and Paul have curated a beautiful group of moderators. Uh, they are all powerhouses. Please follow the moderators, follow the speakers, especially because you guys are coming up and you're bringing the color and the life into this room. Uh, and you're, you know, really inspiring us, uh, the mods that just, you know, are facilitating uh, moving people up and back and inviting people onto the stage to grow as well. So we thank you. And with that, Mon Mike, back to you, Paul. Thank you, Michelle. Beautiful reset, as always. Eleni, uh, one of our moderators who has been with us for a very long time, and each time she's here, we so appreciate her as well. She has joined us, and I'm going to turn the microphone over to her before I go to Melissa. And uh, Eleni, if you're there, I'd love to have you introduce yourself to us. Hello, everybody. Happy, happy, blessed and abundant new year. It's going to be incredible. I'm Eleni. I'm an artist, background TV and theatre from the age of seven. And I also work along different charities helping underprivileged children that have been victims coming out of that place into having incredible success, which is here for all of us to receive and to grab at and change our lives. And I'm Eleni. Thank you, Eleni. It's always a pleasure to have you here and to hear your voice and just to hear your wisdom as well. So thank you so much. Uh, Melissa, welcome. So nice to see you here. It is so nice to be here. It's good to see Jen again. And Jen, I haven't been on the stage with you in a minute. So she's one of my clubhouse throwbacks and Paul and King. Happy clubhouse anniversary. I made sure to join the club. I was pinged in by Doug. 
who I adore as well. And so just really appreciate being here in this space. And you and Glenn had me in stitches <laughs> a few moments ago when he asked you to break into East Coast. That was good to me. Um, but I am thrilled to be here in this room. The topic had high resonance for me um, as this is kind of my life work. You know, I'm a, the founder of You Think Indigo, a global think tank. And I spend a great deal of my day help people to tap into their highest intelligence and know that they can take control of their life, that they don't have to let other people tell them um, who, how intelligent they are and, um, and get their validation outside of themselves. And so to see this club, I'm like, how, do, how did I not see this club for two years? And I've been on the app at the same time. I just turned two years old myself. So it's been rectified. <laughs> And you'll see me more as much as I can come in because I'm pretty, you know, Speedy Gonzalez on this app. But um, but I just wanted to just offer that um, negotiating my way um, out of self-sabotage has been um, a beautiful experience. You know, I just claimed and, and accepted that I'm neurodistinct at 48 years old. I'll be 49 in a couple of months. I'm, I'm excited about turning 50. I'm already planning my 50th birthday party. <laughs> but I'm a late bloomer and accepting um, how I think and how I process the world. And, um, you know, somebody just did a human design uh, evaluation of me recently too, which, which was, was interesting. So I'm learning about this concept of human design. And um, it's been a fascinating um, year, um, both last year, a lot of part of last year and this year in terms of understanding self so that I don't sabotage. And by sabotage, I just mean I don't accept myself. I don't accept myself and, and all of my giftings and all things that I can do. And I don't know how to navigate well new relationships or new opportunities and things of that nature. And it's been liberating to um, get to a place of self, full self-acceptance, particularly of my, of my intellect and of my distinction. And it's helped me to embrace and appreciate it in other people. Because a lot of people, I think all of humanity is, is walking with and in their genius and coming to know why they are so special, why they are so precious. And so for me, um, getting this down um, or getting better at it, I should say, it's been a wonderful experience. So thank you for a space where I can um, feel great in it, meet other people who are practitioners of it, and um, just wish you so much continued success in your work. And I'm Melissa and I'm done speaking. Well, Melissa, thank you so much for joining us and, and for finally finding the room. And I hope that you become a part of this room. It sounds to me like you have got so much to contribute to this room. And what I often do is I just make somebody a guest moderator, and I'd like to do that to you. I'd, I'd like to keep you on stage as we as we near the end of the room, but um, I'm so glad that you're here. So we're, we're going to give you the guest moderator badge today. Uh, not that it means much. It's just uh, the fact that we appreciate you and what we appreciate everybody. Wish I could give one to everyone, but um, want to have you uh, stay with us for a little bit. Um, I hear a microphone. Yeah, it was me, Paul. Can I offer something now? Of course, sir. Yeah, now feels like that time to be able to uh, add some value. Uh, that was a, a lovely share. Thank you so much for that. Uh, Melissa, we're glad to have you here. So 
I think that um, at least it's been my experience, it's been my ongoing observation, that sabotage often rises in the absence of accountability, personal accountability. And that uh, I was thinking about this late last night, oddly enough, the idea that if there has been a pattern of destruction in our lives, that what we can do to reduce and ultimately eliminate, which in my view, that's the goal, but doing it incrementally is progress. You know, the 12-step program for years has said progress, not perfection, progress, not perfection. So we want to be uh, celebrators of a school of thought that I refer to as incrementalism. So just a little bit at a time, because a little bit over a long period of time equals a lot. I want to say that again, a little bit over a long period of time equals a lot. And so if there has been a pattern, <clears throat> excuse me, of destruction, to instead through substitution, this is something I do with my actors all the time, through substitution we can substitute and create an accountability where we would say instead of doing something at this hour, I'm doing something that is for me versus against me. And I'm going to create accountability by setting that program up. So let's say, for example, and I'm, I'm making up a scenario here. I've been blessed to not have a drug or alcohol issue. I consider it a blessing because so many of my family members have had this wreak havoc on their lives. Uh, I never went that path and I'm enormously grateful. But let's say that uh, this is a very late night activity of destruction, whatever it is that sabotages our pathway, by giving yourself something to do early in the morning, maybe you have made room for this behavior by allowing yourself to sleep in late every day. Therefore, the late night activity has been sanctioned by making room for it because there's nothing that we need to be accountable for or to in the morning. This is a huge thing to understand, but if I don't allow that, if I give myself something to do, like you do, for example, every Saturday, diligently, you and Michelle and King and most of the, the players that are in this, uh, on this panel are here routinely with great consistency. So if you commit to doing that, then that means that's where you're going to be come hell or high water. I don't know if Canadians use that expression but come hell or high water, you're going to be there. So what if we do that for ourselves daily, that no matter what, I'm going to be up doing such and such, and I'm committed to it, and I'm accountable to it. Therefore, there's no room left for destruction, either during that, average, uh, during that time slot, or even ramping into it, because I've, I've got myself needing to go to bed to get up to it. I think accountability is the answer and a lack of accountability makes room for destructive behavior. So ramping up our accountability, give yourself something to show up for that is a contributing presence. You know, um, and, I'll, and I'll close with this, contributing presence versus contaminating. This is uh, power versus force. 101 is everything we think, do, say, and feel either contributes or contaminates. Dr. David Hawkins is the blessed spirit that shared this with the world. So 
we want to be contributors to our lives instead of contaminators. And we have to take a look at the behavior and just say, honest, I don't have to tell it to anybody else, but between me and me, is this thing that I'm practicing a contribution or is it a contamination? And if it's a contaminant, I'm gonna slide it out of my life and I'm not just gonna leave an empty hole, I'm going to replace that activity with something that is a certifiable contribution. I'm Glenn and I'm done sharing. Uh, Glenn, I love that. Um, accountability is so very vital. Uh, accountability to ourselves. You live with yourself every day, 24 hours a day, and the person that you ought to be more accountable or most accountable to is yourself first and then other people. Thank you so, so much. And I love, you, you've brought this before, uh, this, uh, uh, does it contribute or does it contaminate? And what a valuable lesson uh, for us to be asking ourselves, is this something that is feeding my soul, feeding my heart, feeding, f feeding the best of me, or is it something that is poisoning me? Uh, am I am I exposing myself to something that is uh, is contributing or contaminating? And if we all did that, boy, what a difference we could make in our lives. Thank you, Glenn. That was a masterclass. Really appreciate that. Any one of my moderators want to add anything? Okay, thank you. Uh, yeah, King. So, oops, sorry. Um, yeah, no, I just I just, uh, want to say I, I love what you said, Glenn. It's per perfect. And, and I especially love the fact that you added in the word patterns along with accountability, because oftentimes it is, you know, people sometimes don't realize that, you know, that they may or may not be taking uh, accountability for things. One of the things also to notice in there, as you say, is, is there a pattern of something? And I think sometimes, you know, you might forget the, you know, you might not realize that you might not be taking account, uh, accountability for something, but it, if you notice a pattern of something, like whether, you know, that that's going on, you really should start, you know, thinking about why is there that pattern, and is there, is, am I the one contributing to this pattern? And so, um, that's you know just a nice little thing to tuck in the back of your head. I think sometimes just to uh, keep in mind and just to make sure that it isn't something that you're doing uh, that uh, is uh, is creating uh, whatever challenges you have in your world. So I uh, just like the fact that you paired those two words together. Absolutely. And Paul, may I offer one little addendum that I know will bring. Uh, a good deal of help to people. Of course. That, you know, as we, as we do this, it's such an easy uh, checkpoint to run everything, and I mean everything through, even our tonality, how we're speaking to anybody, whether it be a loved one or an absolute stranger, is the tone I'm currently engaging, does it contribute or does it contaminate? Is this food that I'm eating, does it contribute, does it contaminate? Is the way that I'm living my life something that is a contribution or a contamination? And it's such, if you're honest, and especially if you're rigorously honest, it's so easy to start cleaning it up. And it's interesting, that declaration even helps to recognize it's easy. Instead of the opposite of that, which is say, well, I don't know, man, it's really tough. And what people don't seem to get is that your pronouncement is the thing that makes it the most difficult. That when you pronounce that it's difficult, then not so surprisingly, it becomes difficult. And I'll land my plane with this very helpful template. It comes from Dr. Bob Proctor. 
Thankfully, I have it memorized and metabolized, meaning that it's operating as a way of being in my life. And that is the, I'm so happy and grateful now. And he starts out by, by teaching a template for finances. So for prosperity, I am so happy and grateful now that money comes to me in increasing quantities through multiple sources on a continuous basis. I am so happy and grateful now that money comes to me in increasing quantities through multiple sources on a continuous basis. And Dr. Proctor said to say this 10 times a day. What I've gone on to see is how absolutely divine and helpful the saying, I'm so happy and grateful now that, and then get money out of the way and substitute something else. So for example, I am so happy and grateful now that peace comes to me in increasing quantities through multiple sources on a continuous basis. I am so happy and grateful now that health comes to me in increasing quantities through multiple sources on a continuous basis. I am so happy and grateful now that ideas come to me in increasing quantities through multiple sources on a continuous basis. And you literally can snowball your way to wellness through using this as a declaration for anything you are ready to receive. And I use the word ready because it's not about what we hope, wish, and want. It's about what we make ourselves ready to receive. We will receive what we prepare ourselves to receive. Thanks, buddy. I got, um, I think I got two words for that. Come on with it. Um, you, you know what? Th that was so beautiful. It was a masterclass. Love the pronouncement. Love everything. W what a great way. Bob Proctor. Um, yeah, what a soul he was. Uh, let's unmute and let's just give uh, Glenn a come on with it. We haven't done that in a year. <laughs> At least we did that last year. Anybody want to unmute and just say, come on with come it? Come on with it. Come on with it. What's so oh, funny is what? you haven't done it in so long that the group is going, I'm sorry, give Glenn a what? <laughs> we got noisemakers now, so we all getting lazy. Come on like, with it. <laughs> You're right about that. Come on with it. Uh, Glenn, I remember the room that uh, it was a pop-up room that you and Michelle did on pronouncement. I now pronounce you. And when you reminded me of this, and, and I have this written down, that pronouncement makes such a, a big difference to pronounce yourself. And I love the, just this, I, I'm so happy and grateful now that, and add what you are happy and grateful for, because a lot of people do not take the time to welcome these things or to appreciate the things that they do have. They, they tend to focus on the things that they don't have. And just this manifestation exercise, if we want to call it that, and I don't know if that's the best word. Yeah, I think that works great, Paul, to call it a manifestation exercise. Well, thank you. It, it's how we create what we receive. Exactly. And invite what we would like to receive and what we believe we will receive and what we know we will receive by repetition uh, 10 times uh, repeating that about wealth health love success whatever I, I just absolutely love that glenn thank you so much for sharing that my pleasure All could, right. be, could i be um 
Could it be possible for me, for you, darling Glenn? Would you be able to give me the name of the book and that author? I absolutely look. I live in that every day. Right. I'm so abundantly blessed. It's like whoop whoop. I can't cope with the abundance. Well, well specifically, fact, my my angel, the one uh, one uh, of I guess two people in this room that I've actually met. The other being Michelle. Um, and I'm looking forward to meeting Paul this year. That's part of my uh, vision for 2023, Paul, by the way, is us meeting. Uh, but the, the two authors and uh, speakers are Dr. David Hawkins, who wrote Power Versus Force and other books, but that's his, I think, his premier work. And then Bob Proctor, who really is probably the granddaddy or certainly one of the the grandfathers of all inspirational and or motivational speaking. And Bob Proctor has written many books. So Bob is the one who gifted us with the template of I am so happy and grateful now. And Dr. David Hawkins is the one who said that every thought we run and every action we take either contributes or contaminates. And it's so easy to remember because both not only start with C, they both start with C-O-N, contribute, contaminate. Uh, very easy to remember that. So those are your two authors. Thank you so much, darling. Thank you. And thank You're you, Glenn, and thank you, Lenny. Yeah, and uh, Glenn, my goal to this year as well. One of my goals is to meet you in person as well, and so that we're going to make that happen. And uh, on a, a wonderful project, I I'm manifesting. I'm pretty sure so they have these things called airplanes, Paul. They do. Uh, here in Toronto, we, we yeah, here, here in Toronto, Canada. We... Well, let's road trip to Toronto. <laughs> well, you got it. Down here in Texas, we wind up our propellers with rubber bands. But, you know, we still have an airplane down here in Texas, too. Well, we have a couple of airplanes up here in Canada, but the uh, problem is our airports tend to mess everything up, and uh, they have messed everything up. So we're just getting back to people finding their luggage and people getting back home from their trips after spending months, or well, not months, but weeks uh, over overseas. Uh, King? No, I was just going to propose that if we do this meetup in the winter, that we do it in Florida. Hey, hey, I'm up for that. <laughs> All right. So thank you. Um, we are about uh, to go to our last uh, speaker of the day. Um, William, thank you so much for your patience and for being here. We truly appreciate you. Are you still with us, William? They say save the best for last, Hell right? Yeah. Nah. Um, hey, I wanted to share this because I've been going through this lately, especially on the app. And with my own family, um, I wanted to say that, you know, as a, as a human being, I'm hardwired for a lot of things. And one of those things is to be in community, um, to be in sympathy with others, quote unquote others, um, to spend much time with people, right? And, and to, to add value to others. Um, what I identified, however, is that I have a fixer mentality. And I have a belief that I need to, to save people. And um, I have a belief that I need to solve other people's problems. And um, amazingly, th th this is due to a, a selfish personality. It's, it's due to an intrusive personality. And uh, I'm insecure. And it's easier for me to do for others or to try to do for others what I can't do for myself. 
um, or what I haven't learned to do for myself yet. Um, I have a belief that, you know, my assistance sometimes is going to create a debt uh, that I can actually request payment for later. Um, when I believe that I need to fix other people, whatever that means, I'm ex insisting on trying to patch something up that's not really broken. And, and, I'm, and, and remarkably, I'm, I'm flooded with feelings of goodwill and noble intentions, but I overextend myself. And, and, and I'm eager, it's because I'm so eager to solve any problem. I think I have the answers. I think I have all the answers. And I, I'm determined to really do people favors that they haven't asked me to do. They didn't ask for help with it. So I find myself wanting to repair aspects in other people that they don't actually need help with. As a person with a, a fixer mentality, I think I need to fix anything that I perceive as, as defective or hurt or, or lacking in happiness. I become quite uncomfortable when someone's depressed or, or seemingly depressed or sad or unhappy. And I do that automatically because the reality is I'm a true survivor of a past damage myself. The truth is I don't have a relationship with anyone from my blood family. My mom used to yell at me in the bathtub as a kid, as a small child. She turned her back on me over and over again. Whenever I went through anything hard, she would hang up the phone. I'm the one, after all, carrying a wound of unhappiness. I'm the one who's dissatisfied with my life. And what this is known as is the white knight syndrome. And you can imagine the kind of life that a person like me has. I'm full of pain. I'm full of disappointment. I'm full of frustration. And a lot of that stems from the fact that other people don't recognize my noble efforts. And a lot of times what happens is I even can become a tyrant in the, in the situation. I'll try to manipulate you. But what I really have found that I need to do to, if you want to call it self-sabotage, to stop that, it's just to concentrate on the injured person who lives inside me. I want to rescue everyone. But I've got to take the, the steps to repair the open wounds from my past. I'm the only one that can fix that problem with the self-esteem of looking at myself as someone who just needs to add value or top value off or or doesn't have value, so needs to go out and figure out how to get value. And, and I find myself constantly, not constantly, but a lot of times projecting my own needs onto other people. So it's really important for me to become sensitive to this reality. And, and as a white knight, I, I need to allow myself to be rescued. And I'm not looking for rescue from you. It's time to lighten my load. I biohack me. I coach me. I negotiate with me. I lead me. I teach me. Knowledge is birthed from within me. I get a vision for my life and I take vision. I take action on that vision. I'll find the fix to my hurt. I believe I will. And if there's no fix, 
I will cope. I've always coped. Sometimes I coped really poorly. I, I spent 30 years in drug addiction. I, I'm happy to report that I have three months completely um, abstaining from drug, drugs and alcohol right now. What I've found is I don't need to follow in anyone else's footsteps, especially not the footsteps of men and women who try to fix me. I want to be a white knight for you, but the problem is when I try to be, I'm not being me. I'm wearing a costume. Thanks so much for letting me express that. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for opening up, William, and for bringing this forward. Uh, I'd like to start out by inviting Glenn. Uh, Glenn, if you're available, I'd like to start the conversation on. Glenn? No? Um, think Glenn. Yeah, I Paul, I'm here. Yep. It always takes uh, just an extra beat for me when I'm walking to try to hit the mute button. Um, so... Yeah, that was a, a powerful share. And William, can I offer you a thought about it? Yeah, I, yeah, I'd love that. So the thought I want to offer you is that it began, and this is not a criticism. This is feedback. It's information. And it is very much worth looking at and considering that you began with a declaration and a pronouncement that your past was your present. And I want to tell you that this condition that you just described will remain inescapable as long as you continue to practice that habit. So everything you shared, the truth about it is that's who you have been. And you would say, well, wait a minute, until when? And the answer is right now. Before right now, this is something you've noticed about yourself that doesn't make it true in this moment all over again, unless you decide that it does. So all of the I am statements that were made, many of which were inverted and not in your future's best interest, those declarations, and I'm not being harsh here, I'm being helpful. This is the voice of love. You're stating that, I am a people pleaser. Well, let me ask you this. How are you not going to be if you state that you are? If you state that you are a white knight, how are you not going to be? How are you not going to be anything that you state in present tense with the two most powerful words in the English language, I am? So the truth is when we're identifying ourselves, what we're really identifying is who we have been until last week, last month, or possibly three seconds ago. And it's important to identify because the problem with not doing that is that it keeps this moment from offering us its greatest gift, which is the gift of brand spanking newness. And that's what every day of our lives comes to give us the gift of, the gift of a fresh start the gift of a new perception. So you have a very strong perception about who it is you are. And what's interesting is it sounds like there's a disconnect between who it is you are and who it is you wish to be. 
So affirm who it is you wish to be instead of giving so much time, attention, focus, and power to who it is you used to be. I'm Glenn, and I hope that helps. I, I appreciate that. I, I I got the sense when you're talking that you're actually trying to fix me. I didn't and, get that and the sense past, at all. The past is really a reference point. You know, if we don't ha if we don't understand the patterns of the past, and we're not willing to be honest and admit the patterns of the past and, and be honest and admit what we do over and over and over again. There's no, there's no self-help. There's no uh, book. There's nothing that's not, that's going to keep you from repeating that. I have nothing to add. All right. Um, yes, I, I do. William, um, he was not telling you he was simply giving some information and it's up to you to uh, determine how you can apply it to your life or whether or not you want to sometimes we can argue uh, these these things that uh, we don't want to change and the burden of being a fixer that's a big burden the burden of of trying to fix other people without first examining yourself that's that's huge and uh, a lot of authors uh, will throw them th their stories into a, a book and just help to fix themselves. But if you're not willing to, to be open to some of the messages and some of the, the things that we're suggesting, and Glenn, that was beautiful. I think I, I loved what you said. The I am uh, statements can be so powerful, good and bad. Depends on how we use it. Our past is our past, and, and a lot of us don't realize that sometimes our past needs to be left there. Most of the time it does. I, myself, and my brother and I have gone through hell in our past. We really have. We don't go back and just say, you know, I am this person because of my past. No, that past happened to us, but it also happened for us. What did we learn from our past? We, we bring into our present, not the bad things, the good things that we have learned from those things. Our past do not define us, we define our pasts. And if we're not willing to make the changes or, or to do the work, if we continue to say, yeah, but, yeah, but, and not be open to the wisdom and counsel of others, we're gonna, we're going to be the same place that we are right now next year. It takes work and it takes commitment and it takes openness. And I, I encourage you, William, to be open to the counsel of others. Glenn gave you some great ideas and it's up to you to do the work. Uh, do not to lean back on, yeah, but. There, there, there is no yeah, but unless you choose there to be a yeah, but. And if it's a yeah, but, uh, if you're going to the butts, then your butt is going to remain with you and there's nothing you're going to do to change your butt. It's always going to look the same. I just think that the greatest form of self-sabotage is to try to let someone else fix no. you. And this is, what I, this is what I've learned and this is what I'm finding in this room over and over again with you, with the Rocky statement. With But you guys can continue to go on and do this and I won't even try to stop you. But what you are trying to do is fix me. And what you're trying to do with this room is fix other people. And I find that despicable. Well, William, gotta, thank you. Gotta, gotta. William, William. Thank can I add in, Paul? Yeah, you can. Um, and then I'll, I'll, I'll go in. Oh, no, uh, first, we lost uh, William. Himself. I really wanted to speak to him because um, he 
number one reminds me so much of my brother. Uh, my brother, who is incredibly brilliant, uh, you know, wise in his own way, uh, you know, uh, someone who devoted a lot of time and still does to his self-evaluation. And, um, and that was what I was going to share with William is when we are self-evaluating, um, you know, instead of sort of self-reflecting, uh, it, it's, it, it's almost like we're cutting away pieces of possibility from ourselves because in that evaluation, it becomes finite, right? It becomes a thing. So Glenn and I talk about, you know, pronouncements and it's when we take a thought or a belief and we make it become a truth. And um, when we have truths, things that we're really right about, they become comfortable to us and there's a safety within it. And so sometimes when we think that we are healing ourselves through self-observation, when we are critically sort of trying to cut away, um, you know, uh, by making truths to protect ourselves, we actually end up sort of canonizing those um, radical beliefs that are made up by us. And I think in part, as human beings, we are trying and longing always to escape suffering. And suffering is something that uh, comes from understanding that we are beings, but we are in this physical body, this, this beautiful body human. And within that, there are certain limitations. And not that I'm declaring it as a truth, but just, you know, so far, I think for my own self, I've only had one like nanosecond of feeling like I could escape this body. Um, and so, you know, I know I, I, this body needs oxygen for me to breathe, right? And I am identifying myself as my body. As long as I have that identity, then I start to suffer because I'm worried about an ending to this. So there's a lot of like thoughts and beliefs and assumptions that go on. And when we make them truths uh, so that we can't hear anything else, that's that becomes a danger. And the beauty about rooms like this is that there is place for different uh, for different opinions. And listen, I am glad that William came in to challenge like his own perception of the filter he was hearing through. And those filters do preclude us from hearing all the possibility that's available to us. You know, to me, you know, having that last speaker up was an indicator for, for all of us to kind of look and see where do I make those inferences that I now hold as truths? Where do I, you know, choose to do that. And you know what? I'm not saying I don't do it. I have things that work for me that I've chosen to believe about life, about love, about being, uh, about context, about so many things, but they work for me. They, they empower me. They allow me to fulfill my manifest destiny. And when things are not allowing that, then we've got to look uh, with a more critical eye and so uh, and a, a and a thoughtful uh, appraisal of those thoughts, beliefs, and assumptions. And uh, my heart goes out to him because it is really um, 
when one is very, very intelligent, uh, sometimes you can see things uh, in, in a way that can cause suffering as well. If you don't have the keys to unlocking what the meaning is, the, the, the meaning that would create freedom rather than the meaning that would create a jail cell. And so um, I'm happy he was here. I wish he had stayed. Um, and, you know, I guess I just want to say to everyone, uh, let's all be gentle with ourselves and, and let's do things like reach out to our friends like Glenn uh, or come into this room every Saturday so that we can really gently propose alternate ways of looking at ourselves so that we can grow. Back to you, Paul. Thank you so much, Michelle. That was beautiful. Absolutely love it. Um, I have something to add, but I'd like to turn the microphone over to Robert. Robert, over to you. Sure, Paul. Thank you so much. Well, first off, um, I, I know that uh, William had a hard time accepting uh, the uh, the wisdom that uh, Glenn was uh, trying to share with him. I can certainly assure Glenn that uh, I took it all in 100%. Um, I think that was profound. That was really profound, Glenn. Um, with respect to to William, and, and I really appreciated what Michelle had to say about truth. Uh, at the beginning of, of uh, our session today, I, uh, I referenced uh, Jonathan Haidt in his book on, you know, uh, called The Righteous Mind. And although he was speaking about the moral intuitions that we all have, but they're sort of like they're like instantaneous perceptions that perceptions we have about other people and the things they do. They they appear to us to be self-evident truths. Well, I think that sometimes we we lose ourselves in ourselves. We we lose ourselves in a maze within ourselves. That uh, where although although William perceived um, Glenn to be trying to fix him, and that's the lens through which he sees the world. Glenn was trying to help him, not fix him. And I wish that uh, he could have, you know, William could have could have uh, stayed around long enough to see that, you know what? I don't care who we are. I don't care if it's if it's if it's me, if it's Paul, if it's Glenn, if it's any one of us. All of us can use help. Sometimes we can always use guidance and and the wisdom of others, the lived experience of others because Sometimes, you know, the lived experience of others can get us through one heck of, 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 of a serious um, trial, tribulation that we face. So, Glenn, I really appreciated what you had to say. I'm sorry that uh, William wasn't able to receive it, but um, uh, I think uh, it, it, those are profound words that uh, we can all take with us. Anyhow, Paul, back to you. Thank you, Robert, and that was beautiful as well. A lived experience. We, you're right. Um, everyone here... I believe most of us here are under the awareness that this is not a room to fix people. This is a room in which we share and support one another. And this is done through our experiences, our lived experiences, as Robert mentioned, and we're, we're here to really help one another by being vulnerable and by sharing our own experiences. And if something that we say or something that we've lived through or something that we've learned uh, helps to support you to each and every one of us which we get something out of this room all the time that's what this purpose of this room is it truly is regrettably some people 
uh, tend to spend so much time arguing their self-limiting beliefs or the, but I can't, whatever. So anyway, I, I can go on and on, but I won't. I'm going to turn the microphone over to King and then over to Melissa, because I, I too am sorry that William didn't stay. Uh, what really annoys me um, beyond words um, is when a conversation happens and there happens to be a difference of opinion and it's, it's being shared in a, a loving and open way that the person, the recipient, uh, one recipient jumps off. They leave. Can't take this anymore. Got to go. I'm out of here. Goodbye. Um, you're not agreeing with me and I'm out. I don't like that. I think the... No, yeah, Paul, because there could be a breakthrough. So why would you want to hang around for a breakthrough to occur when you could leave and perpetuate the situation? Uh, the only thing I want to, to just say before you close the room is that I respectfully, if you remember, asked him if I could comment on what he had shared. I respectfully asked him if he didn't want to hear any feedback he could have at that time simply said no thank you i just wanted to i don't really welcome any kind of follow-up it's fairly simple he was asked and he was treated politely and he was deeply committed to remaining in the very condition he was identifying he does not wish to release that that's what's current for him. And so that's why I said, I have nothing else to add. There's a condition that we, uh, we know very well in the South called pissing in the wind. And it's important when we realize that we are futile in our efforts because there is no open mind to receive it on the other end of the equation. Glenn, uh, thank you for that. Um, I just want to say uh, you are absolutely right. I remember after William had pronounced how he was, that you you were respectful to him and you did ask, may I add something to it? And that hit me uh, again. It's something that we should be doing more of. And when you did it, it just reminded me of the importance of doing it. I thought that was beautiful. Now it's open to, to this, this sharing. And so thank you. That was uh, truly, truly beautiful. Thank you very, very much for that. Um, I saw Robert on mute. Um, Robert, before we go to King and Melissa, is there something that you wanted to add? Uh, no, Paul, I, was, I think I unmuted earlier. I th that may be what okay. you All right. I, th I thought I saw you flicker. All right, uh, King, over to you. Uh, thanks, Paul. And yeah, 100%. I mean, uh, I wish William was st stayed around. But once again, everything pointed to he wanted some of our thoughts. And as Glenn, you said, you, you asked him and, and you provided it. And uh, the only thing that, I'm, you know, that uh, saddens me a little bit is I truly believe that he did want some help. But I feel that perhaps, I mean, I, I don't know him and I'm just guessing here just uh, based on sort of what I'm thinking is that people in the past who have tried to help him, quote unquote, have broken his trust and they've done it enough times that now he just, you know, anytime, you know, he, he sees something that kind of resembles that as a, you know, 
so, sort of self-defense mechanism, he immediately just kind of closes himself off and, um, and just kind of refuses uh, any, you know, uh, assistance or just to protect himself. And once again, I could be completely wrong on this, but I just kind of wanted to remind everyone that once again, just, you know, closing yourself off and creating an alternate reality for yourself isn't a solution. I mean, it just is, it's never a good thing to, to do, to kind of just kind of close yourself off to the world. I mean, it doesn't mean that you open yourself up to the entire world as well. It doesn't mean that you don't take precautions, you know, to, to, you know, to once again, to protect yourself in, in a way that allows you to continue to function in the world, but not, you know, just because something happened in the past, it doesn't mean that it's destined to repeat again in the future. So, you know, be open, obviously be cautious, but be open to things and just, you know, be open to life because you just never know what, what might happen because just because something bad happened before doesn't mean something amazing is going to happen today. So I just wanted to share that. Uh, back, uh, back to you, Paul. Thank you, King. Robert, uh, and then Melissa. Yes, I, I think I, I will uh, thank you for that, King, because it reminded me of something. You know, I mean, I, I, I keep saying, I guess, in this room, that the value of critical thinking. You know, critical thinking isn't about being critical of what other people are saying. It's examining things critically. It means starting with ourselves, our own, our own assumptions. And it's important to listen. It's important to listen to what others have to say, to really, really try to hear them out. And, um, you know, and Glenn did that. Glenn, Glenn listened very, very carefully to William and heard him out. And the beauty of, of, of this art, this, the art and science of critical thinking is that we listen with an open yet critical mind. As, as King said, we don't just accept everything that we hear because that is not critical thinking. We basically, we filter it through. So if William had taken the time to listen to the words of wisdom that came from Glenn, there might have been something in there that he could have taken away. So anyway, I just wanted to just to just repeat that the importance of, of critical thinking is really listening to the other person, examining ourselves, not accepting everything we hear, but not rejecting it either and just processing it. So with that, bro, back to you. Thank you, Robert. Really well said. And thank you, King. Uh, Melissa, I'm going to turn the microphone over to Melissa. Well, I'm a newbie into the room. Thank you for guest modding me. And I just want to compliment the stage and the moderators for how you navigated that um, moment. I think it was a beautiful moment, actually. And I'm just a guest coming in observing. But, um, and I see a red bar. Let me move. Sometimes my room won't let me be great. <laughs> um, but what I observed was you not allowing a moment to sabotage this room and how you held the space um, for all of us who are here, who are observing and how you leaned into um, that moment. Out of respect for William, I'm not gonna reference him. He is somebody that follows me and I follow him. So I'm gonna not speak you know, to what, he, what, what happened. I can speak to him, <laughs> you know, talk to him. But, um, but I will say, I was very touched by Glenn. Glenn, you did something that um, in the work that I've done, you know, within my community, I'm a philosopher. Um, and um, before I was a philosopher, I was a historian. But you did, you did, you did something, you demonstrated something. And I'm gonna isolate it. I'm gonna play this replay back to my team because I want them to see it in motion, in action. You ask someone permission before giving them 
your wisdom, your knowledge. And when they didn't receive it, that was my favorite thing. When they didn't receive it, you didn't attack them. You just let it go and you honored your sovereignty, theirs, and you stopped. That is a masterclass by itself. And it touched me, you know, and, and I, I just wanted to just say that's a way shower moment to me. I call it being a way shower. Um, and I also um, wanted to go to Michelle. Um, something I observed that Michelle did that, that really touched my heart also was to just step back and take a moment to honor a situation. Because sometimes when we have tensions or difficulties among us, um, we can get into a mode of judgment um, and a mode of, um, I don't know, just um, being quick to quick to speak and slow to listen. And to, I can hear you heard um, what the gentleman said um, before exiting. And what I just want to just say from what I've learned, what I've come to know um, in my own journey, bringing it back to myself, is, and I'm a historian, <laughs> history is very important to me. But what is most important to me is what I'm doing now. And I can reference it, but I also get to create what I am now. And I think this room, your, your club and your room that you're offering today, I hope more people will come back and look at because it is really so useful. It is so useful to me personally to remember. We talk a lot on Clubhouse. I've been on here for two years like you guys, right? You know, Clubhouse is the joint. I love Clubhouse. But a lot of times we're talking a lot, but are we applying it? Are we applying what we're talking about? And I saw a lot of application here. And as a newcomer to your, to your group, I want to express appreciation for that. And if I have permission to offer a little tip uh, around tension, but I want to just check with Paul and King or whoever organizes the room. I want to ask before I give. I want to be like Glenn when I grow up <laughs> to offer. Uh, you are welcome to, uh, to <laughs> offer. <laughs> like Glenn when I grow up. You know, Glenn said something else that I thought that was that blew my mind about why people leave rooms. This happens a lot on Clubhouse. Um, sometimes um, the energy, the moment, their perceptions, can, all kinds of things can cause them to leave a room. Um, sometimes they're refraining from doing more or saying more that could really cause a problem. There's all kinds of reasons people leave. I have come to know that I don't, from the stage, really speak to a person who exits, because I've had lots of people, not lots of people, but I've had exits, I've had tensions in rooms before. I tend not to keep talking about the person themselves and what I, what I predict their reasons are and what's going on until I speak to them. The reason for that is because it, it maintains that sense of safety for and around that being. And sometimes people, stages and they say disparaging things before they leave. They leave a, like a, like a, a nasty overtone when they leave. And so what was beautiful about this stage was the decorum 
and the love and the way you guys handle each other and the way we supported Glenn, I would offer that because of the replays and everything else, it's good to wait until you know for sure why a person does what they do. And that helps them with their self-responsibility, in my opinion. You're saying take control of your life. Well, then to me, the only person who knows why they do what they do is that person themselves. As much as we're perceiving and thinking and calculating, in my opinion, they're the sovereign, they're the knower. And all we can know is how we're impacted and how we're going to proceed. And it just keeps to me the, the, the honor of that person when they exit so that they can come back. And I had this happen. I'll close out quickly. I don't want to take too much air in the room. But I had a similar situation happen. A person actually attacked the person on the stage. They actually went in on the person on the stage, disrespected them. And as the moderator, I redirected them. I, I tried to do it very gently, you know, without really directly talking to them, but they kept going. And so I had to get ethnic and be Southern <laughs> and, and the PMI win. And so I had to put them in the audience, you know, but they stayed in the audience. And I, you know, continued to, to take this at the tone for the room. In the back channels, they were going in on me. They were just pissed with me for, for correcting them and this, that, and the other. I wasn't directly correcting them, but I had to deal with the situation to keep the decorum of the room. And in the room, I invited them to go back and listen to the replay. You know, I said, I said, you're in your feelings right now. You're in your emotions. But I want you to go back and I want you to listen to the replay. And then come back and talk to me. And they did. <laughs> And now they're the most, you know, respected people in our community because they went back and they had a chance to, to reflect. And what they were most struck by was how they were respected when they left, how I protected their reputation and didn't allow people to go in and react on their behavior. But I demonstrated honor and respect, even though they were not respectful. They did not respect our space. They did not respect the person on the stage. They were, in my opinion, out of order. But I was a way shower to them, even in their absence, yes. So wanted to offer that to the room as a guest, as a goodie bag, and as a thank you for y'all being so kind to me as a moderator, as a guest moderator. And thank each of you for being such a jewel in my life. Melissa Dunn speaking. Thank you, Melissa, and thank you for that share as well. And uh, what a great room this has been. And it's always nice to have different perspectives uh, being offered in a very uh, respectful manner to hear everybody's point of view. And everybody has one. And it's so important that we respect that. So thank you for that share, Melissa. And to each and every one of you here, I would like to first uh, thank my moderators uh, for this incredible room again today. I've learned so much from each and every one of you. This has been an amazing day. We've talked about self-acceptance. We've talked about self-awareness, accountability, desire, purpose. We've talked about uh, the importance of uh, contribution or contamination. We've talked about uh, pronouncement. We've talked about just so many wonderful things that can help us to live life intentionally as we go on with our next week. 
with each and every step that we take. This is not a room, as we have discussed, it's not a room about fixing one another. It's a room about sharing and supporting and hearing from each and every one of us and being vulnerable. And that's what this room has done. So to each and every one of my moderators, I thank I thank you from the bottom of my heart. This room would not happen without you guys. And I, I, I so appreciate you. To every speaker that's come up, to everyone who has shared, I thank you each and every one of you uh, who have been vulnerable, who have shared something, have shared an experience, asked a question, and stimulated conversation. Uh, we are growing in this room. And uh, the idea of growing is to keep going. And if we don't grow, we don't, we, we don't go. We just stay where we are. Growth is important. 2023 is going to be what we make of it. And let's grow together. And that's what this room will do and help to support. And to every one of you in the listening lounge, as my good friend Glenn has said, and I learned this from him, I thank you for the non-refundable gift of your time. Uh, because without you, we wouldn't have much of a room either. Your, your time, your contributions, the chats, uh, everything that we've had 116 chats uh, that, that have really added so much to this room. And we invite you back uh, next week. And as long as we continue this room, as King has said, it's going to be two years, I think, next week uh, that our, our room was, was started. And a lot of people have been touched. And, and I know that I have been uh, by the people who have joined this room. My life has changed so wonderfully in so many ways. So thank you. We have a, a song to end the room with. But before I do that, I want to just invite any one of my moderators, if, if anyone has something that they would add before the room ends, uh, please unmute and add what you would like. Otherwise, we'll go right to Michelle and right to the song. Anyone want to add anything? All right. Gratitude, and I'll be back, and y'all better hit that greenhouse and share it, because I know <laughs> I am, because this is one of my best finds on Clubhouse, this room right here. So I just wanted to just tell y'all that's what I'm going to be doing. Thank you, Melissa, and I hope other people do as well. One of my favorite rooms, too. So over to you, Michelle, to close off the room. Deal, Paul. So I wrote some of the lyrics to this song in the chat. If you just scroll up a little, you'll see the first verse. And it's a song that I discovered. Um, <clears throat> and I just think that the message is beautiful, especially in a community like this. So here we go. I hope you can hear the words. If not, you'll see at least the first verse in the um, the first stanza over in the chat. So a lot of love and a lot of light to you all. Hopefully you'll all be back next week. Here we go.
Beautiful. Thank you, everyone. And on that note, we're going to close the room off at about five seconds. So thank you so much for joining us. What a lovely song to, to close off the room with. Thank you, Michelle. And have a wonderful week. Go live on purpose. And we shall see you next week. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another insightful episode. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button and leave your comments. For more information, check out our website at www.inspireus.ca. Remember, it's not what happens to us that matters most. It's how we respond to what happens to us that does. Stay strong and resilient. 